just want to give a quick warning for any of those cartoons episode. <laughs> we actually do go into some adult themes. I want to say something that might be a little triggering because we do talk about abuse and things. So just want to give a quick warning out before you get too far in this episode. All right, sit back and enjoy. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another movie episode of Game My Mom Found. I am Mike Coverton, and who are the goblins with me tonight? Uh, Space Oddity, Stuart Hughes. Tiffany uh, Alberton. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Goblin King, Helena. <laughs> <laughs> That's a terrible David Bowie impression. <laughs> I wasn't... Uh, oh, uh, I could <laughs> picture her face. I could picture her face when she was saying that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, I am Jareth. <laughs> like the typical, like, internet fat guy. <laughs> Just, uh. Well, actually. Well, yeah. You reminded me of that. There's that really dumb commercial for, I think it was, not for Raid, but for the like World War II babe game or something, and it oh, had like a, a fat guy. Then they went after they got a bunch of hate. I guess they went and did a behind the scenes show and put all the makeup on and everything. It was I didn't watch it, but I'm like, this is really stupid. I fucking <laughs> I both love and hate those shitty mobile game commercials. I do not understand them. I don't know what kind of human being it takes to make them, but I also kind of appreciate that they're like they're like the new version of good bad movies. <laughs> We're just like questioning everything. Question how they exist, yeah, or why, why, why they're trying to sell me Raid Shadow Legends every time I watch a YouTube video. But hey, <laughs> they exist because there's a market, and the entire market <laughs> is Adam because he's trying to figure out how to make one and how to market it. So he's learning from everybody else doing it. Uh, I would suggest following the Raid Shadow Legends system and not the weird uh, Family Guy King cheats on his fat, ugly wife and. <laughs> marries a, a 10 year old girl with lipstick on and it's like you could do anything in this game oh <laughs> this is like every fucking mobile ad i see oh dear. okay your mobile ads are different than the mobile ads i get you don't yeah. oh you don't get those i get those no. constantly where it's like it'll be like song of sultans and it's like there's not a single fucking sultan in this ad i don't understand <laughs> I get the one with World War II babes all the time. Weird. Oh, I don't know. Somebody out there is making those, and I, I want to meet those people. <laughs> Ask them why. It's got to be somebody from, like, it's got to be somebody from, like, some third world country. They're, like, hiring super cheap that, like, doesn't, that, like, doesn't understand English or something. I'm just like, what, what should we do? <laughs> there was one ad that had Zelda Breath of the Legend for a mobile game. I'm like, that's not the mobile game you're trying to have me download, guys. Oh, no. <laughs> I always get them because I like uh, Ruby. I always get like the fake Ruby ads all the time where it's like play as one of the five girls and it'll be like th four Ruby knockoffs and then like Hinata from Naruto. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Hinata. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> all right. I think we should introduce what lovely movie we're going to be talking about this week. This or this month, I should add eh, this episode. We're going to go with that. This episode. This is actually special. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. I'm drinking a beer. This is not rehearsed. <laughs> we're doing this pick this is a special kind of happy birthday type thing to tiffany my wife that's on here because this is one of her favorite movies and that's why that's why we're doing this for this at the movie special for this month and we're doing labyrinth i don't think i said the name no <laughs> i was like wait a second i'm forgetting something here <laughs> like you didn't even like introduce it just like hey we're doing labyrinth <laughs> <laughs> Ta -da. it's only been 70 some episodes that we've recorded so far yeah <laughs> we're professionals We've been doing this for more than a year. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I'll take a bow. <laughs> Does that mean you can put it on your resume now? 
<laughs> yeah, I could actually. But the person is like, we are the most. <laughs> according to according to us, we are the most professional podcasters on the market today. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Charitable told me we're number thirty fifth gaming pod- podcast in Ecuador. Ecuador. Yeah, so we're doing really well oh. in Ecuador. <laughs> I was excited. Congrats, like, yes. guys! <laughs> and number seventy one in Japan. I love the idea oh. of being the number one. I I mentioned this to Mike. I love the idea of being the number one podcast in Ecuador. <laughs> <laughs> It's like we go to Ecuador and like we're fucking celebrities. Then we come back to America and it's just like, eh, who the fuck are you? You have a podcast? Nobody oh, cool. knows you. <laughs> just will vacation in Ecuador every year. Every so often, I start talking to people. I'll I'll try to work in like, do you listen to podcasts? Do you like games? Well, why don't you take a look? I tried it with a couple people. It didn't it? Didn't work. one guy just looked at me like, what the hell? One guy downloaded us and subscribed while I was talking to him. So hey, it works. <laughs> It's a download. <laughs> if we get big enough, do you think we can get the government of Ecuador to pay for us to travel there? <laughs> <laughs> no, I do no, not. No, probably not. <laughs> I'll contact their... It's always um, good to dream big. Do yeah. they have a president? Okay. I'll, I'll contact their president. <laughs> Happy birthday, Tiffany. <laughs> God, cool. <laughs> this is a special episode. So I, shouldn't, I should say what... So I did say earlier, we are going to be talking about Labyrinth eventually. This movie did come out yeah. in 1986, directed by Jim Henson. And I have a really odd memory that I want to say first about this. Like, I didn't know what this movie was for years, but I have this vague memory of being, I want to say, in second, second, third, or fourth grade. I went into the auditorium for something with my class, and they were playing this movie, but I didn't know what it was. Really? It's called Puppets. <laughs> I saw the movie, and then we, went out of, then we went out of the auditorium to go somewhere else. And I always remember that, and it wasn't until many, many years later, I'm like, oh, yeah, that was that movie. And we're, I was in my 20s by the time I realized what it was. So, had that much of an impression on you, huh? It just, it just did kind of. I mean, I actually never saw this movie until me and you watched it a couple <laughs> years ago. Was the first I time for- I saw it. I forced him. I also did not watch this movie as a child. I sought it out as a. T- yeah, I, I did. not I was like, I watched it, and I was like, "This is a kid." They show this movie to kids. Terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> not a kids movie. <laughs> It's I also, it's an 80s kids movie, which means it's a kids movie that's allowed to be like super dark and violent and oh, <laughs> that reminds me. adult themes. It's a, a coming of age story, according to Jim Henson. I I was thinking <laughs> about this right while now. watching the movie, but because I, I rewatched this movie uh, yesterday because, as I told Mike, I was I kept I kept thinking it was Saturday on Friday. And so I kept like having these little mini panic attacks where I'm like, shit, I haven't watched the movie yet. And realizing that it was Friday and then like feeling better. And finally I was like, fuck it, I'll just watch the movie today. So I stopped freaking out. It was like five times in a row. I was like, oh, god damn it, I forgot. I mean, next time I can just send you a recording of me going Friday, Friday. <laughs> the problem is I have Fridays off now. So I think it's <laughs> I think it's Saturday constantly. While watching the movie, I was like, I was like, I remember thinking this movie was really, really weird when I first watched it. And watching it again, I kept thinking, this is just a live-action version of Spirited Away. Oh, huh. that's kept, I kept coming back to Spirited Away where I'm like, this isn't that weird. The only thing that makes it weird is that it's puppets. But, like, Hoggle and Ludo are n- no stranger than, like, No-Face from Spirited Away. <laughs> or The Witch or all these other characters. Uh, Hoggle resembles the witch a little bit. Hoggle kind of resembles the witch. Ludo kind of resembles, um, like Totoro. <laughs> a little bit. Hello. We're stretching it there. <laughs> a little bit. Of a, he's a big hairy monster in the same way that Totoro is a big hairy monster. Oh, okay. 
but it's like the same kind of story like a, a girl's family is taken from her and she must overcome the odds and kind of learn to be an adult and save her family okay i'll give it to you i guess <laughs> Good someone is because I wasn't going to, but go ahead. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I I could have watched Spirited Away uh, to compare it better, but unfortunately, I don't own it on Blu-ray. And if you don't own it on Blu-ray, then there's just no fucking way you can watch it. It's all you got to do is leave America and go somewhere else, and then you can watch it on Netflix. Mike, I have I the have, VHS I, copy. <laughs> you can't Ooh. do that, Mike. You can only watch the other Studio Ghibli movies because I have a fucking VPN and I traveled digitally to about 30 different fucking countries. And finally, I was like, fine, I guess I'll just watch Kiki's Delivery Service instead. Good movie. It is a good movie. Actually, I actually I watched Labyrinth and, and then I watched Kiki's Delivery <laughs> Kiki's Service. Delivery. <laughs> and then I watched Porco Rosso. And I was like, that's probably enough. That is enough. Oh, Helena, do you have any memories of this of this movie? Okay, so as you know, Mike, I totally thought this movie was Dark Crystal up yeah. until maybe three days ago, and then huh. realized I had totally compartmentalized it incorrectly. So no, I don't have many memories of it. Uh, <laughs> I did not like puppets as a child, which is why I was terrified of Dark Crystal slash Labyrinth for most of my childhood. And then as an adult, uh, watched it and was not a huge fan and I'm not sure if I am a fan now or not but I have a lot of feelings about it I, I feel like that's like the case with anything Jim Henson did aside from the Muppets like the Muppets are puppets but they're very fun and like they're very like kid friendly and nice and funny and then you go to see like Dark Crystal or Labyrinth and it's like oh this is not where's Kermit why is <laughs> What's happening? This is so dangerous. Well, if you want to see Kermit, all you do is you put on the special features, uh, close your eyes, that. listen to Jim Henson talk. You'll hear I Kermit just fine. That's true. I didn't realize how close to Kermit's voice he sounded when he just talks regularly. <laughs> he just talks. Well, he voiced Kermit. That makes sense. Well, I know I knew that. His son uh, was thought... the voice of Hoggle, which is hilarious to me. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Brian he, Henson voiced. He puppeted he, and like, voiced Hoggle. Yeah, he puppet he was one of like the five puppeteers for hoggle yeah and then there, I like. was, there was an actress inside of hoggle too yeah wasn't there yeah she yeah. made her walk and then it took like five puppeteers to just do his head yeah that's why i like seeing the credits for any like jim henson work because it's like it's like and hoggle played by five people and then brian henson <laughs> <laughs> yeah Udo played by seven people and also a voice actor <laughs> It was two people at a voice actor. It was, they swapped out. He watched the behind the scenes too. Unfortunately. <laughs> oh, okay. It wasn't by choice. Unfortunately, I uh, was not able. I actually, I really wanted to watch the behind the scenes of this and I didn't have time because I couldn't it was find it. Two different people that swapped out and did the voice for Bluto. I suspect that, because I haven't watched Dark Crystal, I'm planning to at some point so I can watch the, uh, like, the revival series of it. But I have a suspicion that um, nobody really liked that at first. Same with Labyrinth, but everyone just had a, like Stockholm syndrome where they saw this terrifying thing as children and eventually they just grew to enjoy it or appreciate it. <laughs> I mean, I can I can go. I mean, hey, Stockholm syndrome is a works works with this movie in a way like there are certain things yes. that I want to talk about later on where I was like, yeah, you know, there's some issues. <laughs> but, like, even just the opening of this movie where you have her reciting, is it is she reciting the labyrinth of the play that she's trying to rehearse for? Yes. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, she's like a uh, a thespian, a little uh, theater kid, which <laughs> if you're a theater kid like I was, you recited like plays and poetry and shit. Uh, for fun? Yeah, for fun. Well, I know a lot of people did it so that like they could like teach themselves Practice. to remember lines and yeah, pretend that they were like Broadway stars, um, which I was always the tech kid, so I didn't do it for that. I just like I just like plays. But yeah, she's in the park. I like how I like how this movie starts where she's in the park and she's reciting the labyrinth, but you don't see the book. You just see her in her like Renaissance era dress, dress. the white dress. Yeah. And then it pulls back and you see like the dog and the area. And it's like, what year is this set in? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Not that there aren't like Renaissance dogs, but it's like a big, like big shaggy dog on a park bench. And you're like, is this? Like modern times, <laughs> I like Probably how she pulls up her dog. dress and she's wearing jeans, and you're like, "Oh, okay, it's the '80s." <laughs> There's also the owl. Yes, which is like one of only two effects in this movie that I think don't hold up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the CGI owl. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, that CGI owl was—I think—I want to say that was like one of the first yep. full CGI characters in a movie. Yeah, like the yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, it might have been the first because. This wasn't just Jim Henson's like creature shop movie. It was also produced by George Lucas. Yep. Back oh, in the yeah. days of George Lucas being like, you forgot that. Yeah, I did. I tried, I blocked it on my memory. Shut For up. The, to explain <laughs> to our younger audience, George Lucas wasn't always the Star Wars prequel guy. George Lucas was actually like a really like brilliant filmmaker back in the day, where he invented a lot of technology, like um. They essentially invented like whole camera movements for the original Star Wars movie where they had to like cut out parts of the set to film certain scenes from like lower angles to make Darth Vader look more intimidating. They basically <laughs> invented like they basically invented half of like CGI for uh for THX one one three eight. I shouldn't know what you're talking about, about but movie. I don't. It's an old, old George Lucas movie that's okay. Very dark. That's why I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I've never heard that one. If you've played Bioshock, there are there are elements of Bioshock that are based on THX one one three eight. Okay. Okay. Learn something new. The numbers one one three eight also come up in a lot of movies, and now that you know about them, you'll see them everywhere. Yeah, because isn't it? <laughs> it's like the also the room at Disney where like the animators work, isn't it? I don't know about that factoid, but I believe that. I think it's yeah, I think it's like the Disney animator room, and so a lot of people put it in there as like an homage to. Disney's animation. Yeah, or an that's interesting. I know you talking about. I like about. that. Yeah. It's kind of like the Wilhelm scream where they just like, they wanted to make a series of sound effects that were usable for a bunch of other things. And then the Wilhelm scream kind of became like a running joke slash homage to that sound effect, which is also interesting, but also kind of needs to die. <laughs> <laughs> like 1138 isn't, isn't like <laughs> in your face annoying, whereas the Wilhelm scream doesn't always fit the movies it's in. Yeah. And and the baby cry. I oh, don't God. know what yeah. it, it I don't know the name of the baby cry, but you everyone knows the baby cry. I wanna say that one is more like let's just use this baby cry sound effect instead of making a baby cry and feeling terrible. <laughs> Which speaking of, did you know that all of Toby's cries in the movie were actually David Bowie? Really? Yes, yes. they were. <laughs> that makes sense because I was like, this baby sounds a little odd. Because <laughs> yeah, this baby's about in his in his forties, so <laughs> I had a lot to do with it. But if we were watching, we were rewatching this movie 
Like even like after she gets to the house and you have the part where she's getting mad at her stepmom. I want to say it's her stepmom because her parents yes. are divorced. Okay. Her stepmom. The, we have been I, over this. We should have previewed some stuff yeah, before we started. There's no rehearsal <laughs> done for this podcast. No, yeah, I guess not. The number one most professional unprofessional podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say, as B. Miller said in the holiday special, this is unedited and un. I forgot the other part. Um, unscripted, yes. I think. Yeah, Something unscripted, like unedited. Kendo would know. I like how you remember the holiday episode more than I do. <laughs> I had it edited. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but I mean, it's, I mean it's everything in that house, like there's the first part, which I guess she's going to go out or something. I wasn't really completely paying attention when I was watching this movie recently. They don't really Wait. set it up. Are you talking uh, about the parents? Yeah, like the parents yeah. are going out and she's all mad because she has to watch the baby. I kind of, I kind of like that. I appreciate that it's not for everyone, but I kind of like that way of storytelling where it's just like you just kind of have to assume what's happening where she comes home and like her mom and dad are like we're going out and she's like oh, but you go out all the time and they're like no we don't yeah like but well, i was going out <laughs> but and... what if i had plans yeah but what if i have plans she's just the most annoying bitchy <laughs> she's teenager a teenager <laughs> she played like, it well but what if i have i like but plans. what if i have plans not what if not <laughs> i have plans but what if i have plans <laughs> You can't She's go a out theater like, kid. She yeah. doesn't have plans. And she's <laughs> dramatic, so... I, you don't see her in a modern movie. Like, in a, a modern movie about Labyrinth would start like this. It's a kid in a classroom. Like, she's got, like, her friends that she's talking to, and, like, maybe there's, like, a school bully or, like, a boy she likes. This movie, like, just cuts out all that bullshit, and it's just like, here's a kid who's... She's whiny. We're getting right into it. <laughs> Look, yeah, there's a boy she's gonna be in the labyrinth. Don't worry. That's how I. That's what I took from this movie. She what? I took. There's a boy she liked. Well, this movie. This movie might be one of the best, uh, like, representations of, of sexual assault ever. But that's up for debate. <laughs> we might not go there, but uh, uh, like, there are a lot of meanings that people like uh, subscribe to this movie that are very interesting to me <laughs> yeah it's one thing i do want to mention like, even like one thing I, did, I didn't notice until this time of re-watching the movie is when they go up into her room and you start seeing if you look at everything in the room one a bunch of the puppets that she runs into in her in goblin world are puppets in her room there's yeah. lots yes. of little things i think there's even I, I think maybe not the door knockers but i want to say that the lying shield guys one yeah, lies one tells the truth. Shield guys on her desk she actually has like a figurine of the goblin king She's got yes, a. Uh, she has. She, she has, has the, um the girl in the dress that she wears to the ball gown. The ball. Yeah. She's got like a poster of. She's. This is the weirdest thing for a teenager to have. Like she's a theater kid, so she has like she's like a big poster of cats and like uh, <laughs> some other plays. Hey, don't talk shit about cats. I just saw it on Tuesday. I kind of want to see don't it just because Taylor Swift. Is no, there. you're oh, seeing no. that by yourself. No, no, no. The movie Cats oh, is fucking yourself. stupid. Do not go see that. But Taylor I Swift saw, is in it. I, who, yeah, fuck. Oh I have a favorite Shut Taylor. <laughs> I'm angry. <laughs> no, I saw my Can mom I and I. Can you? <laughs> I return you? No, my mom <laughs> and I actually just on Tuesday we went to go see the stage play Cats, which was phenomenal. I saw it once. I saw it a couple times when I was a kid. I hadn't seen it in a long time, and it's still so fucking good. They didn't just update the CGI for the one you saw. Yeah, yeah. It was it was all practical since it was on a stage. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they actually do a really fun thing where there's like a train and they all come out and they like build the train out of parts and they're like dancing and bouncing around the, the, okay for just it's a side note I just have to say this since the movie Cats came out 
the fucking play cats is supposed to be a really funny fun play with some just very serious moments sprinkled in it's not this like dark fucking Zack snyder bullshit like the movie looks <laughs> i'm actually really pissed about that it's so oh, stupid it looks by Zack snyder oh that's so no sad. no but oh. it looks like it's by Zack snyder where it's oh, got, like, i see ian mckellen and uh uh, is it Judy Dench? That, like, they just look so like dour and like serious. And it's like, no, this is supposed to be like a fun play. Like there's a lot of jokes in Cats. Like jokes. Cats is kind of like the Scott Pilgrim of musicals. <laughs> a lot of jokes about musicals in the in the fucking play Cats. And the movie's just like, oh, everything's like the world is coming to an end and we're the last cats. It's like, what the fuck is going on? Anyway, that was my rant about cats. But the weirdest thing she has in her room is a poster of uh, the M.C. Escher, like relatively relativity painting. It's like, I don't know any teenager that was really into M.C. Escher. I don't even know what M.C. Escher is. It's the stairs. You know, all the stairs. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to say MC Hammer at first, but then you didn't go there. You kept going. I was oh, like, so. I didn't see that. were super into MC Hammer. In the 80s. In the 80s, yeah. Well, this is the 80s. Yeah. I don't know many people that were like, yeah, like I got my Cats poster. I got my MC Escher poster. This girl. She's a strange girl. She didn't have any plans. That's why she shouldn't have been upset. But what like if that. she did have plans? <laughs> She was going to read and listen to MC Hammer. Yeah, I think a lot of this movie, though, is it benefits from watching it more than one time, though, when you notice that stuff in her bedroom. Oh, and another thing in the bedroom, which we never noticed until this last watching, is in the book that she's flipping through, there's a there's something that says mom on it, and then there's a picture of David Bowie's car- uh, David Bowie in the book. Like, actual David Bowie is, oh, really? her, is her mom's boyfriend. Oh, you really? really close. Yeah, you have to look really close. The pictures on her mirror, too, are her mom and David Bowie. Oh, I've actually, yes, I actually did know about that because that goes into one of the theories I've heard about this movie. That's very I was dark. like, oh, so this just took a different turn. Yeah, that, <laughs> Save it, that for later. Was, it paints this yeah. movie in an entirely different light, which we will it, get to probably. I was like, whoa. Depending on how high everyone's spirits are, we'll get to that. Okay, but I, <laughs> but I, I never noticed that. I'm like, and then after after knowing that and rewatching this entire movie, I'm like, all right, this this movie's a little different. Like, hmm, there's some issues here. I had. I like the picture of she has like a picture of it. What looks like a like an actress on her vanity, and it's just got like I think that's just there to assume that that's her mom, and her mom was like this famous actress or at least a very good actress. And I like, don't know. There's tiny things I, I really appreciate. That's like all Jim Henson is just throwing in really tiny details for you to notice that. I love the bedroom, the first bedroom scene. There's so much in there. Yeah, it's the best. It's the best teenager bedroom in any movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Truly. like it's it's over the top, but it makes sense for the character. It's not like every other t- like kids bedroom in every other movie where it's like just bullshit. Like, oh, there's baseballs and like airplanes because it's a boys room and boys like baseball and airplanes <laughs> and a big picture of like some sports guy and if it's a girl's room it has to be all pink and filled with barbies <laughs> you're not wrong unfortunately because kids and in movies are allowed to I like know. one thing yes and the wall of her favorite boy banders yes yeah Ooh. <laughs> I like where, where was new kids on the block come on now. <laughs> Was that in the 80s? Yeah, I had to yeah. think really hard what the 80s was. So I was thinking was. of Backstreet. I'm like, nope, that's not the 80s. No, that was that 90s. Was, yeah. yeah. That was my time. Yeah, that yeah. was. I, it would have been New Kids on the Block, I think. 
quick poll who was alive in the 80s of us like everybody but me me i was not <laughs> okay everybody but me mike, mike was like two <laughs> yeah that's still born in the 80s that's still <laughs> born in late 87 so yeah that's why i get annoyed when people are like oh i'm just a 90s kid and then they'll talk about like like a really early 90s thing i'm like dude we were both born in 93 you do not remember this thing from fucking 91 <laughs> Don't act like you were there. <laughs> we grew up in the 2000s. That's what we remember. <laughs> I, think I grew up in the 90s. <laughs> but like, yeah, and the whole I thing is, my... <laughs> like, she want she doesn't want to watch the kid, and then as she's holding the baby, and he, you know what? For someone that raised a baby, he's not that bad of a baby in this little scene. <laughs> and no. she's complaining that he's crying, and then she's like, "I wish the goblin kid would come take you away." And I like it when all the puppets wake up. They're like. She's gonna say the words. Oh, I, I love really that. Like that the, little, the little podlings, they look like podlings. Yeah. That's like that might be my favorite one of my favorite scenes in the movie where it just hard cuts to the goblins like waking up. It's so Did she sudden. say it? <laughs> Jim Henson did not fuck around. He was like, We're going. It is on. <laughs> I do love the wall of goblins, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're all just sitting there like that's like, not <laughs> how you say it. That's one of those things, though, where it's like the more you watch the movie, the more you appreciate that. Like, yeah, Toby's not really a bad baby. He's not like really he crying. He just don't want to go to bed. Yeah, but it's like the impression you get of, oh, yeah, like she's talking about like her step, like her new stepmom and her dad. So like this is the stepmom's baby, and it's kind of like replacing her, and she doesn't really know where she is in this family anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everything they were going for. He's just a baby babying. Yeah. He's just a baby. But, you know, you're, you know, a 15-year-old playing a 16-year-old. You're going to be dramatic. <laughs> I want to give mad props, by the way, to, to Jennifer Connelly. Well, she's going to watch this episode, but it's <laughs> Jennifer Connelly, who was 15, I think, at the time of this, playing a 16-year-old and doing a phenomenal job. Was she supposed to be 16? Yeah, she's 16 in the movie. But as an actress, she was, uh, I mean, she was only 15. And 15, yeah. She has some, like... She has a really crazy kind of uh, uh, start where I mean, she was in like a Sergio Leone movie, not as the main character. She was just in it. And then like the next movie she was in, she was the star of a Dario Argento like <laughs> Jalo horror movie. And it's fucking crazy. Like that doesn't happen. <laughs> I think she just got like really lucky, too, from what, you know, she just went to casting and they just casted her for those, those parts. Something like that. I We were it talked about she, it. She started in modeling. She said, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be in one of the most famous horror movies of all time. <laughs> I've never heard of it. Phenomenon? It is. I don't is it phenomenal? Yeah, it is phenomenal. I want to say, I don't know if it's a Criterion Collection. <laughs> Manamana. It's, uh, it's just, I mean, Dario, early Dario Gento is kind of like known for being a very, very famous horror filmmaker whose quality suddenly fell off at some point. But those early movies were fucking phenomenal. Phenomena. Yeah, and then, like, she was in, uh, like, a teen movie, and then immediately following that was in Labyrinth. <laughs> this is her fourth movie. I mean, this movie for a she long time... dropped off, though. Uh, she still shows up in things. After that, I mean, she dropped oh, yeah. off for a while. She was in Requiem for a Dream, right? And that was yeah. like the darkest role ever. Yeah. And she also was, uh, she was, she was seven in the movie nine. So she was seven of nine. <laughs> Star Wars, Star Trek joke. I was at Star Wars. <laughs> Forgive me. Yeah. That's um, for me. I think the last thing she was in was uh, Alita Battle Angel. I don't know what else she was been in. 
Oh no, no, she was in uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming as well. She was. Yeah, she was like the voice. She was like the oh, voice wow. of one of the suits. She doesn't do very much now, but like, I mean, when you start off and you're in like these insane movies, plus she's <laughs> like married to Paul Bettany, so I mean, what else could you really want? It's hard to follow that up. Yeah. Hey, she's in Rocketeer. She was in the Rocketeer. Yeah, the Rocketeer is also a very, very good I movie. Like that movie. It is a good movie. Yeah, that movie's kind of making a comeback lately. I'm worried that that means they're going to try to remake it. I don't want them to. No. Anyway. All right. Can't they Speaking just leave of, it alone? As we were talking about with her and the baby, like I do like that whole part where they're where she's ta- you know when she does finally get the words right and she's just so angry at the mm-hmm. child. But it does make sense, like in the idea of you know of being replaced and you know. I mean, I guess you're, I mean, I wouldn't know how a teenage girl feels, but that idea of being a teenager and being, feeling being replaced, your family's kind of broken apart. Like it does make mm-hmm. sense. And it, it comes a lot stranger when you think more into it, like how, you know, she says these words, the goblin king, the baby disappears and all of a sudden your little goblins popping in and out. And then <laughs> David Bowie shows up, <laughs> but she looks like her, her, her mother's new boyfriend, which when, after you put that in there, I'm just like, you know, I got some problems here. Lots yeah. of problems. We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to the peach scene. <laughs> oh, God. We'll get there. But first, got to talk about Jared. His pants. Are we going to talk about his pants? We, we'll, we'll get... Because <laughs> his pants don't show up at first. First, you see him from the waist up, and you don't realize. But, don't like, realize yeah, she says the words, and immediately, fucking David Bowie in the most David Bowie-ass outfit ever shows up in her fucking window, and it's great. I fucking love David Bowie, and it's fantastic, and he's great, and he looks awesome. And the makeup, <laughs> the hair, it's it's very easy yeah. and perfect. The crazy eyes that are like, his <laughs> eyeliner is like, makes his eyes look like all sharp and like creepy, and he's got like a stringy, like a stringy wig on. I don't yeah, know how to I... describe his hair. There you go. <laughs> it's like a mullet with like tails on it, though. It's so odd. It's tails. It's oh, mullet, like... rat tails, and then also like eighties pop. Yeah. It's, yeah. If a mullet had sex with like the hair of Europe, then <laughs> Europe the band. Then, like oh, that's God. what it is. Poison. <laughs> it's great. And I love that David Bowie. Like, oh God, immediately is just like full creep factor of like i'll take the baby away don't worry (laughs) you said you wanted the child to disappear so i'll take it and immediately she's like no that's not what i meant i was just like i'm just a teenager don't listen to me i just say stupid shit (laughs) here's your consolation prize a crystal yeah here's a crystal ball (laughs) which (laughs) since you watched the behind the scenes i actually this is one of the things i do know about this which the scene where like he is flipping the crystal ball around his hand yeah, I, I like just a magician. Yeah, I just assumed that was David Bowie doing that. I didn't realize you can't that. Can't possibly have assumed that was David Bowie doing that. It's David Bowie. He can do whatever the <laughs> fuck he wants. <laughs> like, okay, I, my bad. <laughs> it's like you're gonna tell me that you if if you asked me if like, hey, do you think David Bowie could like flip crystals around on his hand? I'd be like, yes, that's the, that sounds exactly like David Bowie. <laughs> I would. I, I always, have no reason to assume he can't. I always assumed that the crystals were like I. I On don't know. Yeah, like a trick of the light, or like yeah. I don't know, like a one of those spinny top things that was from like a few years ago. What were those names? What was the name of those stupid fucking? Because they used to sell like these stupid plastic balls that would do that. And the like, I don't know if anybody remembers going to the mall and seeing like people playing around with them, but, but they actually sold like spinners, but. 
No, this was pre. This was like ten years prior to fidget spinners. There was these stupid plastic balls that, like, you do the the David Bowie crystal ball hand thing with them, and it was like this. It was like, oh, this is like the hot new toy, and I wanted one so badly as a kid. I don't remember. Like the metal that. balls. What? They, what'd you say? Like, like the metal balls? Are they more like silvery? They were, yeah, kind of. They looked like they looked like like liquid, but they were like metal or plastic balls. Do they come in like a cute little ornate box? Y- yes, I think so. Okay, I totally had those. I was never allowed <laughs> to buy them as a kid uh, because my parents were like, "No, that's stupid." And now I realize that yes, they were stupid, but <laughs> <laughs> but you wanted like, them. There was like a year long period where every kiosk at our mall had those. And every time I went to the mall, there'd be like 30 people playing with them. And I'd be like, I want that so badly. That's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I'll never see anything cooler. I know I'm only seven, but this is as good as it gets. (laughs) High expectations. Yeah. Well, that's every seven year old. But yeah, yeah, it was like the balls. And then like the net, like at some point they got rid of the balls and they brought in those stupid little airplanes that were like the drones before drones. Oh, <laughs> and then everyone was playing around with those, and I got to test drive one once, and I accidentally flew it up into the food court and into somebody's face, and I just <gasps> like ran away. <laughs> just like, oops, bye, I didn't go. <laughs> I got it, like go upstairs, I guess, and just pull it out of somebody's Taco Bell. <laughs> Me, like, sorry, <laughs> I don't know why we set up this drone thing right below the food court, but that's, that's what you gotta expect. That's really funny, though. but even just the whole part when she goes into the world i think he just like opens the window and makes it become the labyrinth world i want to say yeah Yeah. it's got so it's just like it's so weird like i always thought she was hallucinating or it's a dream i mean i still think that yeah well especially when you find out that the you know the goblin king is her we'll get to the peach (laughs) 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 we got like this is like a two-hour movie and the peach is Way far away. Yeah, we'll get there. We got. She has. We just got her into the labyrinth. We've been recording it this time for thirty-seven minutes. So hey, yeah, we're we're at the first ten minutes of this movie. This is a big movie. <laughs> we got a lot to say. Lots. Uh, also, like even just like I do like the way the maze looks, and I do like. There's a scene early on where she's standing up with I want to with the Goblin King, and they're looking down at the maze. And I mean, knowing knowing not what I know now, it's just it's just a a really good painting as a background they're looking at, but it still holds up. Yeah, that, it goes cool. from being like a matte painting to a model for the maze. And I think the model, I, I, I like the matte painting. The model looks, I don't know, somehow just intimidating. The whole maze is just creepy in the beginning. And it's also so cool. I guess she, she's running around. She's getting lost really early on. And I like the, the scene where she gives up. She sits down. And I can't remember exactly what the, there's a little worm sitting there. Like, and I can't remember exactly how Hello. it starts. Like, yeah. <laughs> but it's in a no, French accent. It says, it says hello, and she's like, "Did you say hello?" And he's like, "No, but close enough." No, uh, no, I, I said, said hello, hello, but close enough. Yeah, that little worm. Oh, before, she's so cute. Before she runs into the worm, she runs into Hoggle for the first time. Oh, Hoggle's first. Yeah. He, isn't he like peeing in a fountain or something? Yeah, he's straight up pissing into this like this little pond. I love how she gets there. Just, I want to mention real quick. This movie starts with like some really interesting cuts. <laughs> Where it's, I know I mentioned Scott Pilgrim already for cats, but it has some like Scott Pilgrim esque <laughs> camera cuts where like she walks out and you see her looking out a window and then like it hard cuts to her walking into the maze and the house is gone. And oh. it's just like, 
it's almost like surreal. It's hard to describe that. Sure. So like, it, yeah, it's like it gives you the sense that like, I mean, the, like half the point of the movie is like not everything is how it seems or you kind of play around with they play around with like perspective and and like optical illusions and stuff. And so mm-hmm. it kind of sets you up for that. But it's just it's so odd in the beginning where it's like, OK, like don't trust anything. Because <laughs> I want to say there's a scene like in the beginning where David Bowie is just turning around to talk to her and like the background behind him changes. It's like, yeah. wait, what? Where are we? right now and you don't <laughs> you don't know when she enters the labyrinth at some point she's in it but i don't know if there's like a specific moment i could say okay now she's in the maze it's it's disturbing <laughs> but in a good way it's meant to be strange. yeah so it puts you on edge immediately just like what wait what just happened did i just miss something it demands your attention you're like okay i've got to pay i've got to pay close attention to the rest of this movie uh, speaking of missing something uh when i first had um, got this movie for when, when me and Tiff had first started dating. I was working third shift, and I would put this movie on before I went to work. And every single time I put it on, within half an hour, she just passed out. Loves <laughs> this movie, but could not stay awake for this movie. Like it's my a long comfort movie. movie. <laughs> it's a, it's a good. It's almost two hours. It's a good long movie. Mm-hmm. It was. This was it an just, almost two-hour movie in the eighties. So just put it on fast forward, and it'll be much better. Oh God, I hate that people do that now. We did. Oh, no, I, it was uh, an accident. We were in the battle scene, and it was an accident. I his remote, his controller is possessed, and it's it started going faster. And I was like, "Well, this is more amusing watching it at this speed in the battle scene." So I just left it. <laughs> I know, people and everybody that, uh, was running around. <laughs> I know people that only watch YouTube videos on t- uh, two times speed. I'm just like, how short is your attention span? <laughs> This has to be two. This has to be going twice as fast. Everyone sounds like a pitch higher than they should be. How are you paying attention <laughs> you to could, this? You could still clearly understand everybody, but everybody was just walking and speaking faster. <laughs> uh, you really didn't get the full appreciation for Bowie's junk. <laughs> it was just that one scene. Do you need to appreciate the junk? I feel like, you know, he appreciates it's his own junk. There. At some point, it is. <laughs> At some point, it is the central focus of a. Sh- it is, yeah, with Hoggle. <laughs> it's like impossible <laughs> to get away from it. There's a part where, oh, yeah, Hoggle like drops to his knees and is begging uh, something that, with the Goblin King. In and that it's like, scene, you is like his pants are like the flattest they've been in the entire movie. In that scene, that's true. Yeah, that's the <laughs> smallest his penis looks in the entire movie. Yeah, <laughs> this, this like there's like- nothing there. <laughs> And then they cut Hoggles away from him, and then it's all bulging again. <laughs> this movie created the rumor that David Bowie had the biggest dick, and it <laughs> it stuck for like thirty years. And then, like, sadly, he died, and nobody like really knew the answer to the question. We still don't know how big Bowie's dick was. <laughs> well, another thing I want to say is like when you had the well, worm. It's a good thing, right? I, I like like the worm invites her in anyway. <laughs> to go inside the cave like just come on follow me and it's just like she's not gonna fit in that little hole like it doesn't work that way <laughs> i was certainly it might work that way you don't and know i also like even the I whole part the worm's like why don't you just go that way and she's like it's a wall and he's like you're just looking at it wrong yeah and it's great like, i like how the whole idea in wonderland eat this crumpet and you can come into my house <laughs> i love that yeah she walks through and it's just it's like, oh, this is actually a hole. I, that's that's I love stuff like that. That's great. Playing around with like illusion. 
it just feels like in, in, in life too, if you're sometimes you're looking at a problem completely wrong, but when you realize it's not really there, it, it, you're creating it. I mean, that's how I took it like anxiety. You're, she was creating her own stress and anxiety from the situation and creating barriers that didn't exist or it existed her in her mind, issues. but not. Yeah. I'm saying it wrong. Cause I don't <laughs> mind to like downplay what I'm trying to say. Mm. I, I like how, I like how she starts walking left and the worm's like, no, don't go that way. Never go that way. She's like, oh, sorry. I went straight to the castle. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 that part is so funny to me. And then Never. you're like, wait, we could have cut this movie in half. <laughs> I, like, I mean, I, the I introduction like of Hoggle is... <laughs> it's a lot has to do with, like, I mean, I don't know. I'm just now that I'm thinking about it and what I was saying earlier, I feel like a lot of it's kind of, in a, in a way, a representation of her anxiety and of getting older and just what you're going through. And they kind of put it, I mean, it's a, like, you know, I know mm -hmm. coming of age story, but they kind of put it in a way that it helped people kind of understand it. That's why I relate to Spirited Away, because Spirited Away is kind of the same kind of story that plays I around the same kind now. of ideas. <laughs> yeah, like uh, when Chihiro, I, I forgot her name for a second, which is a very big part of Spirited Away. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, I wouldn't have even heard that. Chihiro, or at that point, Sin has to, like, get a job and is, like, literally trying to become adult and manage, like, all these people around her. And she's, like, 13. She's like, why is everybody just losing their minds? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> Why do I have to be the adult in this situation? That's such a good movie. Yeah, I like uh, Wendy. Like you introduce Hoggle, he's pissing into a pond, and then <laughs> she's like begging him for help, and he is busy. He's busy gassing fairies to death. Like they're like <laughs> like they're pests. He has like a little uh, little pesticide sprayer, and he's just spraying these fairies, and they just fall to the ground dead. It's a weird movie. That's another one of those weird scenes. I forgot about that scene. She's like, what are you doing? And he's like, what? I'm killing fairies. Like, it's just totally normal to him. <laughs> Doesn't a fairy, like, bite her? She's like, ow! Yeah. yeah, she picks it up and it bites her in the finger. And he's like, hey, you're an idiot. Don't you know anything <laughs> about fairies? you. <laughs> it's so matter of fact. And then introduced is... the, the running I'm joke. So oh, no. That introduced the running joke of, of everyone getting Hoggle's name wrong. What were you going to say, Hannah? <laughs> I, I was going to say, I think Hoggle is like the mean girl of the movie. He, yeah. he betrays is, everybody, yeah. gassing fairies, mm. just pissing and things. Like, just... In a modern movie, Hoggle would be like, yeah, like a friend that she's fighting with. And that's how the, mm -hmm. like, that's how the setup would go. If, if this was Wizard of Oz, Hoggle would be like a friend she was fighting with in the beginning, who is now a character in her dream. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad it doesn't have that Wizard of Oz in, uh, beginning, though, because I feel like that would have taken away from the weirdness of everything. Well, kind of. I mean, There's still a lot okay. of weirdness. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I don't know, if, if the movie, like, hits you over the head in the beginning, where, like, this character is this person, you'd be like, ah, okay, this is, like, just a regular... I mean, it's still a weird movie, but I feel like the... the you wouldn't be able to look into the plot as much as people do now. Yeah, it would but be even, like, OK, this is definitely a dream without showing anybody. You don't know if it was a dream or if it was real or what's going on. I still say it's a dream. But there's an early part where she gives Hago the bracelet as payment to help to help her find the castle. Kind of early. That happens a little later. Yeah, okay, that, Maybe I don't remember as well. They're in the what's it called? I can't remember. The Ooblets. The Ooblets. Ooblets. <laughs> I, I had to look it up because I didn't know if it was real. <laughs> I don't know what that is. But... It is a it's a real thing in medieval oh, wow. castles. It's a room that is entered through a hatch, and it's uh, essentially like a it's like a mini dungeon where prisoners are held. But the only way to get into it is from a hatch. Oh, okay. Is Hoggle after the, that fall into the fucking? She meets Hoggle. Hoggle shows the door and sends her in, and then um, 
that she's like keeps running into uh some like traps yeah um, we didn't talk about the doors yet yeah the doors are pre hoggle bracelet okay i want to talk <laughs> about on, the blind you, like, doors fast forward it way too much yeah. i can't <laughs> remember this movie i had to pay attention <laughs> The doors are how she ends up in the Ublet, which is also a really funny yeah, scene. Yeah. The, the, the classic riddle that I remember from Yu-Gi-Oh! Because that was a big riddle. In- <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. No. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh! Oh, for those that... Well, I mentioned this before, but when I edit this podcast, a lot of times I, I watch Yu-Gi-Oh! Because I don't give a shit, and it's great background just to have playing. But yeah, there's there's so a scene where... This riddle immediately. <laughs> oh, God, that one is so stupid. It's stupid in Yu-Gi-Oh! It was okay in this movie. I like the riddle. The riddle's great. Can anyone describe the riddle? <laughs> uh, that's a great question, and I will leave it to other folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you come I, thought the that, I thought Stuart would definitely take this one. Okay. I'll take <laughs> it. I'll do my best. Okay, Mike will do his best. <laughs> okay. All right. So he comes up to the door, and you have two guards with, well, two headed guards, essentially. They got a four. head sticking out. Guards. Each guard has two four. <laughs> two guards, four heads. One you have a number of cards. He is, he's not <laughs> explaining it well at all. I know. <laughs> the game's my mom found. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, you have two guards with two heads each, but the bottom heads are really just like there for comedic effect. That you more or yeah. less you have two guards. One always tells the truth, and one always lies. And one door leads to the castle, and one door leads to certain death. It's a classic riddle, like where you only have one question, and you can't ask like. You have one question, and you got to figure out which one is lying and which one's telling the truth. She, yeah, she can only ask one of them one question. I like how quickly she she figures it out too. <laughs> oh, she's smart. <laughs> yeah, it's that's like kind of one of the first moments in the movie where like Sarah starts like figuring things out for herself. I really like that. <laughs> so she got it right, but she still dips into the pit of hands. She yes. But that did lead her to the castle, whereas the other way would have killed her. So technically, it was still the right way. Okay. <laughs> so, joke's on you. What it, what it is, is one guard only tells the truth, and one guard only lies, but you don't know which one's telling the truth or which one's lying. Yeah, and the solution is, you go to one guard and you say, would that, you go to one guard and you say, would that guard tell me this is the way to the castle? And that's how you solve the riddle. And if they're if they say yes, then that guard is it, it. Basically, it's like, you know, it comes down to if they say yes, then that guard is like either a liar or telling the truth. But that means that door is the right door. And so she chooses it. And it's a great comedy moment where she's like, yes, I got it right. And then immediately a trap door opens and she starts falling. <laughs> into like, it's a scene straight out of like Evil Dead. Out of hell? It's, yeah. It's like, my version of hell. It's what it's, they look they look like zombie arms to me. Yeah. It's like literally a scene out of um like Drag Me to Hell, that uh that newer movie. <laughs> newer movie. I think it came out like ten or twelve years ago. Yeah, it came out a while ago. Yeah. The newer <laughs> horror. Ten movie. or twelve years ago, well, that newer movie. I only compare horror movies in were they pre nineteen ninety or <laughs> post nineteen ninety, all right? <laughs> oh, so if they're post they're newer? Yeah, they're post nineteen ninety. Oh, the last thirty out, years I consider a new horror movie. It came movie. out two thousand nine. <laughs> okay. So ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that part oh. is so creepy i like it's so creepy she's falling through all these hands and then at some point she just stops and the hands form faces <laughs> and that's just like pure jim henson you know it's all about like i want to i want to know like the process for jim henson coming up with that scene <laughs> being like he didn't yeah, come just... up with that idea though oh he didn't who was that 
Um, the the guy from one of the writers that worked at Monty Python revamped the script. Oh, that was Terry Jones? Okay. Yeah, Yeah. Terry Jones. There you go. (laughs) I couldn't think of his name. We didn't even explain that in the beginning, but Terry Jones wrote the original script for this, and then they took it. They took it and they he did like the first draft <laughs> and then they came back and they were like, like after they got the script, they were like, all right, let's change it up. We'll do like some rewrites of it. We'll fix it up. And after they did all that, they were like, oh, this kind of sucks. Let's just <laughs> let's just use the first one. But they didn't have the first one. So they had to go back to Terry Jones and be like, same script again. And he didn't have a copy of it. So he had to rewrite the movie from memory. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so, so Labyrinth isn't like the Terry Jones, Jim Henson movie. Labyrinth is Terry Jones' best memory of the movie he was going to make. <laughs> <laughs> That's really weird. It's so perfect. I mean, the arm thing is just like, it's. I mean, to me, it's kind of like straight out of a horror movie moment when they, and then she's mm-hmm. being lowered down, but you have the comedic effect where they're like, which way do you want to go? Yeah. Go down. She, she said, said down. down. <laughs> she I, said I like down. That. Yeah. Because why would you go back up? Going back up just I mean, that's what I would door. do. I'd that go would right be back harder. <laughs> that just takes you back to the door. She's already pointed down. <laughs> you know, I, part of my brain just at that point that would be, like I have so much sympathy for the like the hand puppeteers because you yeah. know they must have been so stressed. Like this fifteen year old girl is descending, and you gotta be like, oh god, like I hope I don't fuck up. <laughs> I'm supposed to grab an well, arm here. I can't see what I'm like, doing. On a, they had her like on a wire or something. <laughs> yeah, but like hands are just grabbing her on the way down. It's so creepy. Well, I see. <laughs> a lot of creepy things in imagine movie. being the puppeteer in that situation just like sweating bullets just like oh god I just, I just, please don't let me grab the wrong place <laughs> I'm just gonna flop my hand around I don't wanna <laughs> I can't see what I'm doing it's kind of so Tiffany it, you said it as a joke but it is also kind of for me one of the darkest parts of the movie is the hands grabbing her um yes. It is. is. And I, you know, when we're talking about coming of age, I think we would be doing a disservice not to mention that a lot of young women can probably relate to being grabbed by mysterious people when they're not expecting it. So I, it it was a really fucked up part of the movie for me. I really didn't like it. Mm. It was. I was like, as weird as like the imagery is, the, the thought of like 50 hands grabbing you at the same time, like, that's so fucking unnerving. Yeah, and now everybody listening feel. to this episode is going to tense up with that thought of yeah, <laughs> 50 hands grabbing them. Just like, well, I mean, it's a, it's a very good point, though. She brings up that it is. I mean, when you think of it that way, it does add a really dark take on it mm-hmm. in, a, in a way that does make sense. Because there are a lot of people who unfortunately go through shit like that because humans yeah. are terrible. But I mean, it, it's not something <laughs> that I really thought about when I was watching this, but it, it does make sense that that happened to you know so many people. And that, we're all, I don't know if that's what he was going there. for, but we got like 15 minutes before we talk about the peach. I'm just 15 more minutes of the movie. I'm just oh, guessing because this is this, why we started recording early because I knew this was going to go long. After the hand is after the hands is when she um comes across Ludo, right? Yes, I want to say, yeah, okay, yeah, and like the I'll, I, I love just the, watched it and I don't know. Wait, uh, well, wait, 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 wait. That after the hands is the bracelets. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I did jump. We're in the oublia after that. Yeah. The the hard part of this is that Hoggle keeps like um p- like 
pairing back up with her and then breaking off like multiple times throughout the movie. Sorry, just just burped right into the microphone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> didn't have time to mute it. <laughs> yeah, Hoggle keeps like like pairing up with her and then like kind of he's like the cowardly lion of this group. He keeps like breaking off because he's like Jareth is trying to get him to betray her and like lead her back to the front. And he doesn't want to do it. So he just runs off and then he has to go back because Jareth runs into him. And so the timeline of this first half is just very confusing. <laughs> it's hard to remember because you're like, is Hoggle with her at this point or not with her? And is it pre-Hoggle Hoggle getting the bracelet? Is it post-Hoggle getting the bracelet? <laughs> I can't remember. I mean, yeah, Hog- one thing we had we hadn't mentioned yet, there is a time she has a time limit which yes. doesn't fit reality because she has what 12 hours to rescue 13. Toby. 13 hours. 13 hours to rescue Toby, but her parents are only probably out for let's say here four hours because it's probably eight o'clock and they're not going to be out past two or three, I'm assuming. I've tried to explain this to him before, but hey, what I want my logic in my weird movies. Oh, Look, okay, as we all know from uh, Paprika and from a lesser movie called Inception, um, <laughs> where How time moves differently. In... So much. Not Eureka, Paprika. I like Eureka, damn it. Eureka's great, and I think Eureka <laughs> also covers heard... this. But in the it, movie it Paprika, does, yeah. in the movie Paprika, which Christopher Nolan stole the entire plot of for Inception, which <laughs> I'm one of the people that's like kind of annoyed by that, but... <laughs> In the movie Paprika and the movie Inception, time moves slower in dreams than it does in reality. So it leads credence to your theory that it's a dream, Mike. This is what I told him, too. <laughs> I love that she has 13 hours and David Bowie starts a comically ornate clock that has 13 hours on it. But then doesn't he... How, okay, how many times does he say, okay, we'll just take some time away from you? I think and like rewind. Does it only t- happen once? Yeah, because she's like, because that's the great line of, um, she's like, it's this isn't fair, and he's like, you say that so much, I'm beginning to wonder what your baseline is. Yeah, she says that a lot though. <laughs> yeah. And it's a piece of cake that one too. But that's when, yeah, they're in the the oublet and they're like trying to get out, and Hoggle runs back into her. I think that maybe that's when she gives him the bracelet to help him. She and gives she... him the bracelet, and then he like whips out the door, and yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, he puts the door on the wall. It's so yeah. cool. And he's like, so, she's like, you, of course you're my friend. And he's like, friend? I don't understand the word friend. <laughs> it's a strange movie. That bit, though, where they're walking and they come across the, like, they're in the dungeon and they come across this, like, hunched over goblin. And uh, at first you're like, oh, okay, this is going to be, like, another character to kind of, like, give her some weird cryptic advice for her to go along. And then, like, they start talking to it, and it immediately jumps up, and it's, like, David Bowie in disguise. That part's so fucking creepy. (laughs) (laughs) It just comes out of nowhere. And I don't know. I'd say David Bowie is, like, creepy from the beginning of this movie, but I think that scene is when he really starts to get, like, aggressive. Uh, Not when he steals the baby? Well, when he steals the baby, he's doing it. He in, does that, that casually. He yeah, he does that in that kind of like if we're because there is a lot of. <laughs> let's just fucking say it now. That David Bowie has Elena a one, very two zero. Yes. <laughs> let's just say it now. David Bowie has a very like abusive nature to him, where yes. he is kind of like gaslighting her and going back and forth between "I'm doing this for you" and "I'm only doing this so that you'll love me." That attitude and it's. If any other actor was playing that character, this movie I think would be almost unwatchably like creepy hey, and just first day like uh. could have had Michael Jackson. Guys. Oh my god, yeah, Michael Jackson almost <laughs> played David Bowie. How? Well, I do want to say before we go there, the Stu 
for a second there, you reminded me of my ex, someone I used to date. Right there, word for word. <laughs> anyway. Stop. Stop. Right uh, I do it all the time. Put it in the corner. You're done. Yeah, like, up to, this point, Dave, up to this point, David Bowie's like, I'm only like I'm doing this because you asked me to, and like I'm only doing this so you'll love me. And then he gets like aggressive, and he's like, "You're never gonna get out of here." And it's it it's a turn that is like because he's close to like losing everything, so he's yeah. like freaking he's freaking out. <laughs> it get uh just unbearably like personal, I guess, or intimate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. is a good word. I mean, he is. <laughs> becoming a i mean he's always like he's manipulating her throughout the movie but he comes off yeah. more friendly earlier on and now he's starting to become much more manipulate manipulative and like as elena said abusive i mean that's very yeah. good trying to get mm-hmm. like he starts getting hoggle to like actively betray her and he's like cutting her off from everything and anyone who's ever been in a toxic relationship which i think is everybody on this podcast but <laughs> this what, movie what? becomes <laughs> just fucking oh god like this movie becomes like difficult <laughs> it's just like oh man oh you know, David Bowie, please stop. Right. I love you so much, David Bowie. Please stop. Please, when I, please don't do this. I didn't touch on some of the stuff. I didn't think about that when I was watching this last time, but that is very accurate to what what's going on. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't. It's because well, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that makes much more sense. I was distracted. I I think I'm messing with my phone or playing Mario. I was playing Mario Kart, I think, on my phone. So can you? Yeah. God, can you imagine <laughs> if they got Michael Jackson to play that fucking character? Oh, oh God. Yeah. God. yeah, I think all the, every... Prince was up for the role too, and Rod Stewart or something. Uh, I don't know. Prince, Prince, yeah, Prince and Sting are like, like David Bowie's kind of like sexual, but he's still very charming. I feel like Sting and Prince are just so over the top sexual, it would have been even like harder because she's 15 and he is like, what, like a thousand or something. He's an immortal god. <laughs> Michael Jackson would have been especially after everything the allegation that came out yeah. later that would have just made this movie a lot darker and ways that yeah it would have been like yeah. um like the the there's this famous uh kind of like famous notorious trivia about terminator where originally the terminator was supposed to be played by oj simpson but they said <laughs> no to oj simpson because they didn't think he could play a killer <laughs> just like, is that true that's true yeah yeah they oh turned him down because they, they didn't think he could play a killer well, and, like looking back. Wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's why it is just like I'll show you. <laughs> yeah, if he had played the Terminator, that movie would have been so you. It would be like yeah. unwatchable now. Yeah, it'd be horrible. <laughs> like imagine, imagine this movie with Sting, but he's playing like every breath you take. Oh, instead of like the magic dance. <laughs> Oh. It's just like, oh god! That song okay. is not. The one person I can imagine is Freddie Mercury instead of Freddie, David Bowie. Yeah, they both have that same like magical charm that makes yeah, them seem that's almost. That's the only other person I can imagine instead I, of David Bowie. I'd say those are like the only two. Yeah, like performers who have kind of tra- <laughs> they almost like transcend being human. They're just like mm. yeah, like Freddie Mercury could do whatever he wants. I don't care. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's Freddie Mercury. <laughs> I, I would have accepted Prince, I think. Prince, Prince would have been okay, too. He would have brought a different element to it, for sure. Prince would yes. have been borderline for me. I, I would. I think he's too, like, too sexual, like Sting, where it's just, it'd be over-the-top creepy. I never saw Sting as sexual, so I'm not sure where this is coming from. You don't like Sting as sexual? No. You need to listen to more police, because holy shit. 
<laughs> sexual or sexy? Sexual, not sexy. Like he is a se- like he has his entire persona is that he is like sexual. <laughs> Well, my okay, I just like Taylor Swift, the so there you go. I would yeah, say, I, I would say Prince is, or not Prince, I would say Sting is like as sexy as like Rutger Hauer to me. <laughs> they have that same kind of like weird, creepy energy that I'm just not into. She needs to look up Rutger Hauer. Rutger oh, Hauer Runner. is uh, the bad guy from Blade Runner, yeah. He's How'd also in Lady in the Hawk. He probably, that's, an, uh, that's a really deep cut. I, I, I love that movie. It's a good movie, but it's a deep cut. <laughs> but they both have that like weird creepiness to them that. I don't know, David, like, David Bowie has all the charm in the world. He's kind of like like Nathan Fillion or Bruce Campbell are kind of the same way, where they could play, like, the worst human beings on the planet, but because it's them, you're like, oh, I kind of like this person. <laughs> just, they're so charming. Like, if David Bowie, I mean, just any, just watch any, like, uh, instance of David Bowie showing up in, like, a David Lynch film, or, like, him in, like, a Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. His character is so, like, deranged and disturbed but it's still david bowie so it's just this weird mix of emotions (laughs) like i feel like i should be in danger but like i'm still thinking about you know all the david bowie songs i like so (laughs) Uh, i mean i don't i can't imagine someone else playing this part beside david bowie now i wouldn't have been okay with prince because i don't love prince for some reason even though i live in minnesota but i just don't like prince's music at all but i don't know my music taste is not if you had to cast anybody, like any any human being, man or woman, in a remake of this movie to play the Goblin King, I don't know if there's anybody off the top of my head that I could that I could name today. Oh, I can't think of anybody. I don't know. Uh, God, I just I don't know anybody that's. So would we go for a musician? Billie Eilish. <laughs> Billie Eilish would be really funny. <laughs> you know. <laughs> But, like, we have to, like, I think we'd have to wait, like, 20 years for Billie yeah. Eilish to be, like, as old as David Bowie was in this. It could work. She could get there. I don't know. Billie Eilish is, a uh, she's impressive. She could get there. She doesn't have, to, like. I'm sure to listen to her music, too. But she doesn't have, like, the knowingness that, that David Bowie had. <laughs> she has, like, the presence. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But I could still see it. And I would, I would, I would like that. I, it'd I be interesting. That. I like Billie Eilish. I, I haven't listened to much of her music, but I like her as a personality. She's interesting. Ocean Eyes is a good song. You should listen to that. I've listened to the, uh, is it like I'm Bad or something? I'm the Bad, bad guy. guy. I'm the Bad yeah. Guy. I've listened to Bad Guy a couple times, but that's about it. That song is um, odd. you got to have the volume up really loud or you won't hear it very well. Anyway. It's been 15 true. minutes. Let's talk about the pear or the peach. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not yet. A um, couple things I wanted. Because I want to say it's be- before the peach is when she meets up with Ludo, which is the big orange Goliath looking yes. thing. It looks like at a big the, dog. At the same time she's <laughs> meeting up with dog. Ludo, uh, Jareth, who is the Goblin King, David Bowie's Jareth, is giving Hoggle the peach. That happens at the same time. Yeah. Oh. I might I have mean, the movie all on. All I saw it. was Snow White. And also, there is a copy of Snow White in her bedroom. Yeah. Which so, basically the entire movie can be built from her be- her bedroom in the her beginning. Her bedroom, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did not know until after we watched it the second time through with the commentary or something. I like Ludo. It was, it was behind the scenes. He acts like I force him to do these things. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, like I was wanting to do it, but I just couldn't find it. Oh <laughs> um, yeah, then she fine. she comes it's on, it's on Blu-ray. I don't have a Blu-ray player because I'm living in the year 2010. <laughs> I watched you it on a uh no, I don't have a PS4. I have an Xbox 360. <laughs> I have an Xbox One controller for my computer. <laughs> 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 a 
look, it's 2004 and Alien Ant Farm is cool as hell. So that's where uh, <laughs> that's basically my my mentality yeah. at all times. <laughs> I do like the scene with Ludo. Like I I also really like the little goblins that are poking at Ludo. I don't think these are on, on the I don't care if these goblins are on the little dinosaurs that, that Tiffany kept calling Yoshi's. Uh, they are vaguely Yoshi like. Yeah, it's the same guys. It's like the goblin guard. I like them. They have the little hel- little like red helmets and everything. I really like those helmets. Yeah, they're kind of like this equivalent. They're, they're the equivalent of the um the like cards from Alice in Wonderland. The yes. card soldiers, oh, the card yeah. knights, which like the yeah, Knight of Clubs. Like, I mean, that's probably what they were kind of maybe going for because they do kind of have that look of them. Yeah, I like I like their. They don't have spears. They're like they're like whacking at Ludo, and it looks like they have spears at first, and it like <laughs> zooms in, and he realizes that it's like these little tiny assholes holding onto the end of a pole that fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't go with monsters. You don't go with rats. You don't go with dinosaur. Little assholes fighting them. No, they're little assholes. You know why they're little assholes? Is because they look just like uh, they they look so close to like critters to me. If anyone's ever seen the movie Critters, oh or yeah, Critters or like um, fuck, what was the movie with the Furby looking things? Why why am I having a stroke right now? But these gremlins, gremlins yeah, the gremlins don't have shirts. They're thank like you, Helena. He couldn't hear me apparently, so thank you. I, I was I, I was having a stroke for a brief second. A um, stroke. I heard, I got tired I heard of my voice. You hear it too much. That's what it was, right? Yeah, I just do now. Uh, <laughs> no, the, yeah, they look like I critters believe. or like uh, like the evil uh, gremlin. I almost forgot the name of it again. The evil gremlins that like lose all their or become little uh, little assholes. How else would you describe an evil gremlin? It's a little asshole. I would just call it a gremlin. Nah, evil doesn't need to be put in front of the word gremlin. You say gremlin, you think evil because. Okay. Just no, mogwais. Because there's mogwais the and assholes. They're mogwais and they're, they're not, gremlins, so it's mogwais. They're not yeah. gremlins I'm anymore. They're just assholes. Got mogwais and assholes, and those are the two characters in the movie Gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> I will not hear any anything else for it. I do like it when she rescues Ludo from the assholes, <laughs> and he's like scared of her at first, which makes sense. He was just rescued by someone. He's getting little assholes are biting them. I mean, it makes yeah. sense. He is the gentle giant. He is the quintessential gentle, gentle. That's a hard thing to say. He is the quintessential gentle giant. That's hard to say. I, I like that his power is he can summon rock. The rocks are his friends. That didn't dawn on me until this most recent playthrough. I'm like, oh, <laughs> didn't. I mean, I did not. When we watched this movie before, when I worked at the Mall America, it never dawned on me that he was the one calling the rocks. <laughs> like I like that really? you, yeah. <laughs> like it's a game. <laughs> I, 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 Ludo might be my favorite, like uh, of all the um of all like the side characters in the movie, though. I like him so much. Like Where she's like, "Don't worry, I'm friends with like we're, we can be friends." And he's like, "Sarah, friend," and he's just he just wants to help. He's just happy that she saved him, and he's just along for the ride. I mean, it kind of fits that theme too. What you know, what's going on in the movie? She's trying to find mm-hmm. friends and trying to build relationship with people, and sometimes you know it's hard to connect with people. I guess. I mean, maybe that's what they were going for. In terms of Spirited Away, he would be No Face after No Face Calm Down. After No Face Calm Down, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. she pulled the thing out of his body or whatever it was. Yeah. Was after no, no Face, after No Face recovered from being No Chill. <laughs> That's when that's what Ludo is. Oh, oh. yeah, she pulls the gold out. Is like say, a, a something. Is it coming up soon, or at least where we're at? Is the next part the bog, or is it the part where she runs into the the really stupid uh, puppets with that throw their heads around? How dare you! The I hate those damn things. I hate at the this, fireies. At but... this point in the movie, 
she is going she's walking along we're almost there she's walking along and ludo falls through like a hole in the forest and then she comes across the fireies which is what they're called fireies are so stupid it's so uh stupid you know, I love that. it is a very strange like even for this is a very strange section where it's like all right like we're gonna take a break from everything and just do like this weird reggae song and dance that it's has so no random. bearing <laughs> It doesn't need to be in the movie. If you took out that scene, I would like this movie more if she just skipped all of that. Because the song annoys me. The puppets annoy me. They're dancing around, throwing their head annoyed me. I'm just, we got to that part and I just looked at Tiff. I'm like, this doesn't need to be here. This is making me irritated. I uh, I like that part, but I like the train part from Spirit Away where it's like the exact same thing in the middle of the movie. We're just going to take a break from the rest of the movie and just like, like, just have you calm down a bit. And the way they do that is like, we're going to have this weird reggae section. It's an amazing movie. But uh, yeah, it's that's I think to me is the weakest part of the movie, not because of the song, not because of the fireies, but because it's for whatever reason, the rest of the movie is all practical aside from the owl. And this part is like it's it's puppets done on blue screen with like CGI effects thrown in black velvet, but whatever. Or sorry, black velvet. But this is before yeah. blue screen. It's done on black velvet. This was before blue screen. Well, there's a reason we switched to blue screen and eventually green screen is because it's hard to key things out on black, and yeah. it's very <laughs> evident in this scene where everything looks. Okay, for for 1886, this was really impressive. 1886. Yeah. It was. I mean, it's. You're off there. 1986. I just caught. I just caught sorry, that. Yeah. Eight, sorry. 1986. <laughs> Sorry, I'm doing a... facts on this podcast. Only I, facts. I'm working on a project with like another company that was formed in 1886, and so I keep thinking about that in my head. That's actually that's actually something else I'm working on. This movie was 1986, and for 1986, it was kind of impressive. But now it's just like, holy shit, this looks god awful. <laughs> like they they start playing around with like perspective in it, where the heads are being thrown into the foreground and background, and it's like. They clearly hadn't figured out the technology quite yet. I think you need to go back and watch Blade Two, and then you'll then you'll think, okay, this was amazing. The CGI in Blade Two is terrible. This is the Blade One of of Jim Henson movies. <laughs> Do you think the CGI in Blade Two was bad? Go watch yes. Blade One. I like Blade One. Yeah, but the CGI is awful. You have to admit. I'm and better with where, it like than blood than starts flying around the room and everyone turns into rubber and it's like what is happening? <laughs> I, I see no evil. I love that movie, but that's like, another time. Blade one before <laughs> Matrix though, so it's worth noting that Blade One was a trend center. But <laughs> and first black superhero movie, so uh, pretty impressive. But <laughs> really good movie too. But the CGI still sucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, anything else? Is there anything else I want to say about the fireies? I know that because Tiffany can take this part. That there's a they were having problem one of the scenes. Tiffany? It looked like they were having problems with the entire yeah. scene. <laughs> yeah, she can tell you. I, yeah, they're having trouble. It took like four of them to just puppet to do one fiery, and mm. they throw their heads. And the Kevin Cash. Who does Elmo was one of the fireies. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And um, I think I watched the de- documentary just on him, and he said he almost got fired because he couldn't do the scene properly. <laughs> Can you imagine if <laughs> Jim, Jim Henson Jim fired Henson Elmo? Was like, he was like, you get this right on the next take, or we're figuring something else out. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh. 
You got it right <laughs> the next day. Suddenly, got it Ellen, right. Can you imagine like the, he fucked it up and Jim Henson was just like, that's it. I'm killing Elmo. <laughs> <laughs> Elmo is off <laughs> Sesame Street. Or Elmo. <laughs> oh, and before we move past these fireys, I do have one question. Helena, you said you actually you like this part. Yes, but if you ask me to defend why I like it, I could not do that. You don't have to. <laughs> if you like it, you like it. I just, I just, I'm glad to know that somebody wasn't deeply hurt and found it was dumb. So hey, I, that's good. I like the idea of it. They're so cute. But yeah. you also like bad movies, so well, I, your opinion doesn't I like, matter. I like bad movies, though. Yeah, but I'm aware enough to know the reason I like bad movies is because they're bad. I like bad. You movies like the holiday same. special? Yeah, but I like that in the same way that people like like Love Island. Where like you know it's trash, but it's funny trash. Have you played the Love Island mobile game? It's actually surprisingly good. I I haven't, and now I want to. So please send me the link. Okay. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's it's exactly as trashy as the Love Island show, but oh. like sometimes the writing will go off in these weird tangents where they're just like, like are they talking about like so like safe sex in a really self aware segment right now? I think they are. I think they're trying to. I think this game is teaching me things. Is this one of those weird interactive games where you choose your story or something? It's kind of. It's like it's like the best version of a dating game. Okay, I just pulled it up and I see a bunch of half naked sexy that's, people and I'm like That's Love okay. Island, half, baby. Half naked sexy people. <laughs> yeah, they're a little bit more than half naked. Like they they put some detail into like the the bodies and that and it's really funny. Just because that's what Love Island is. It's just the hottest people in the world going to an island, not even an island, just going to a mansion and saying this stupidest shit. And you're like, man, I really hope like Jessica wins. <laughs> She's the least <laughs> stupid of all the stupid people. <laughs> okay. It's, it's like The Bachelor. Island. It's incredible. Yeah, except they, they talk about like what their favorite number is. <laughs> their favorite number. 20. There's a whole clip of Love Island where uh, they're talking about their favorite number and it's like, it's like a significant conversation where they're like, oh my God, like my favorite number is like 11 because like my favorite number is really like one, but one is like so lonely and 11 is like two ones next to each other. So it's like less lonely. <laughs> and so that's why 11 is like my favorite number. Oh my God. That's a 20 minute conversation and it's oh, wow. fucking phenomenal. It's so good. Did that person win? <laughs> no, she didn't win, I don't think. I've just decided that my favorite number is now 11. It's great. And you it want makes to, like, so much sense, me. though. These Doesn't it make so, so much sense? And I want them to win so badly. Amazing. I have no <laughs> idea what you guys are talking about. Love Island, baby. <laughs> I don't either, but I'm joining the conversation. <laughs> I, I will warn you right now, if you start watching Love Island, you're going to, the first 10 minutes, you're going to be like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And for whatever reason, you will just not be able to stop watching it after that. And it will ruin your dialogue. It will ruin your ability to speak like a normal person because you'll start saying like, like oh, oh like, my geez. god, worse than that because this is like this is like the thickest British accents you've ever heard oh, mixed goodness. with like their version of modern slangs. So they don't say like I'm gonna go flirt with this guy. They're like, oh my god, like we're gonna go have a chat. How's this chat? Is this chat good? I like his chat. Like he's so, fit, but he's so bad at chat. All right, like he's the fittest, but like his chat is so bad, and I like I can't. I, I don't know. I like. I don't know. It isn't even like is eleven. It's it streaming <laughs> somewhere, so I can it's, torture um, my husband with it. It's uh, I've watched I watched a little bit of it because we have some BBC channels, there's some British channels. Um, but it's on Hulu. It's stream. It's on Hulu, and it streams online too. Like it's it's like a, a Big Brother where they have like the twenty four hour stream. Oh god. 
I guess our Hulu Google. just got canceled. It sounds like. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the 24 hour stream is up. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> okay. Anyway, circle back. Uh, yeah. One part to, to this. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite parts is when she goes to the swamp, the bog of stench. <laughs> yes. I, I like the bog. I like how the like the whole puddles are like farting all everywhere and it just looks like little anuses. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, uh, gonna go there, but it did. It's uh, allegory it for IBS. <laughs> what it's like <laughs> Sorry, I actually <laughs> I was trying to think about like what that related to to like a teenager, and then I just stopped thinking about it because I didn't want to delve into that any further. <laughs> no, let's not. Let's not. Like, but it is such a teenage thing to be afraid of, though. Like, oh my god, do I smell bad? Stinking? Like, I really hope yeah. I don't smell bad. And it's if you fall in, you'll smell bad forever. Uh, That's the no. threat. Like the punishment is a throw. <laughs> I think I think when the punishment he threatens Hoggle that uh, David Bowie <laughs> yeah. does that he'll throw him in there into yeah. the like the thing if he doesn't help. Hoggle kind of has punishment. He's got like a I don't want to call it like a romantic thing, but like a Jareth is like, um, like stop helping her, and if she kisses you, I'll make you a prince. And he's like, a prince. He's like the prince of stench. <laughs> it <disappears. laughs> it's, it's a great line. <laughs> See, David I forgot Bowie about though. that. You need those moments though of David Bowie saying these like really like funny lines to balance out how fucking creepy he is. Creepy it is. <laughs> We're not to um, the peach yet. No, he's given him the peach, and so Hoggle like keeps looking at it repeatedly throughout all these scenes of like, ah, oh, should I give it to her? I don't know. I don't know what to do. Yeah, he gives Hoggle the peach before the the bog of stench section, and Hoggle just has it, and he's like, he's like, give her this. What does he tell him? He's like, give her this, and does he say that she'll go to sleep or something, or does he just give him the peach and tell him to give it to uh, Sarah? I think he just says give it to her. I just watched this today, and I can't remember. I can't remember his exact wording, but he's like, yeah, you have to give this peach to Sarah. And he's like, will it hurt her? And he kind of like brushes him off, I think. And so Hoggle keeps like, he's like holding onto this peach and looking at it and being like, I don't know if I should give it to her. I don't want to give it to her. I don't know. And there's a couple times where he's like, here, just had this. Oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that Hoggle. Hoggle has this, like his little moral quandary in there. Like, oh, what should I do? <laughs> he's a coward, but he wants to help Sarah. Like, she's his friend. He's never had a friend before. It's like a really, really nice, nice little character. Yep. But he does go through some is, development. This is yeah. after the forest. So Ludo has fallen through the hole. And then Hoggle meets back up with Sarah. He like helps her out of the uh, the fiery forest. And then they immediately fall into the bog of stench. And they're like on a precipice. And this is where <laughs> they're like they get reintroduced to Ludo. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which you think, like, the whole time is, like, looking over the bog of stench, but then they fall, and they fall yeah. on to Bluto. <laughs> it's a very Monty Python-esque comedy bit. <laughs> where they're it like, oh, sense. no, we're gonna die! And they fall in. Poor Bluto. And then this is where uh, you come across the character that Mike likes. Who? The dogs? Uh, the fox. Don't you like the fox? I thought you said you liked the fox. I, I like the dog. I like dogs. Okay. Well, there's a you dog like and a Didymus? fox. <laughs> I like dogs that come to their owners. Like That's Sir Didymus to like you. Sir Didymus. <laughs> and then what's his dog's name? Ambrosia? No. Ambrosius. Is Ambrosius. Ambrosius. <laughs> Who is just her dog. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but which that's also kind of. name, though. <laughs> yeah, like, but. Hey, but it's it just is her dog. I it's know. just her exact dog, and at no point does she go like, "Hey, that looks like my dog." <laughs> I can't remember dream? the name of her dog. Do you, does anyone remember the name of her dog? I, you know, Merlin. Have... It's Merlin, of course. There you go. Yeah, 
Oh, yeah. Say Lancelot's bear. Lancelot's the bear. I don't know how I forgot because the whole thing is very like, um, uh, the whole thing is very like Arthurian. So, of course, the dog's name is Merlin. We didn't talk about the dance magic dance scene. We didn't, actually. Uh, That was like, we completely skipped over it because it's already passed at this point. Yeah, that's very early. That's that's another weird scene in the movie that just (laughs) doesn't need to be there, but it's just like, okay, sure. Like, like, David Bowie's just kind of like a weird dude. <laughs> I feel like I'm the only person who doesn't like that song. Really? Yeah, you are. You're the only one. <laughs> I'm not even going to like pretend there are others. <laughs> Dance message. <laughs> I would take the Fireys over that song again. That's surprising. I like the oh, I'm with you on the Fiery song. I like the Fiery song, but Dance Magic Dance is just so fun. Good song. I like the whole, the entire scene. I like it. <laughs> I think that's another one of those instances in the movie where they like, they're tricking you into liking David Bowie. Yeah. <laughs> Although he is so bad with the baby in that section. He's like throwing the baby like 10 feet in the air and shaking it all over the place. <laughs> yeah. The baby thing that wasn't happy, a real baby. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that he is like, this is kind of the only part of the movie where it gives you. Like David Bowie on his own, not thinking about Sarah. It's just like, this is how his character exists. And it's just him (laughs) sitting on this throne, like bored out of his mind, surrounded by all these asshole goblins. It's just like, it's that's the only part of the movie that makes me like, if that part of the movie wasn't in there, then I would say 100% this, this movie is definitely a dream. But because that scene happens and Sarah is not involved in it, then. I can't 100% say the movie's a dream. Oh. But he's singing about her, isn't he? Yeah, he's but how would... the babe with the power? Yeah, but how would, uh, how would she know that, though? I mean, I... Unless she's dreaming that he's doing that. Yes. If... Yeah, I guess. But typically, if you have a movie guess. where... If you have a story where everything is a dream, then you're So you're bound... in it? Yeah, you're bound by the narrator having to be an active presence at all time. Is this a rule? I haven't heard of this rule. It's like an unspoken rule. Like, okay. you can't, if if a character's dreaming, then you can't show something that the character wouldn't know because how would they know about that to dream about it? I don't know. Which it's a dream. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can do that, but it's bad storytelling, and I don't think this movie has bad storytelling in itself. <laughs> no. I don't want to credit it's- as that. It's Jim Henson, so no. Yeah, but that that song is also kind of important that with the the babe with the power, it, it you realize that um, it's like the first hint that Sarah might have some like ability or strength to her that oh. uh, that David Bowie's kind of afraid of, mm-hmm. or that might challenge him in some way later on. Okay, that's I, a, I didn't think about that. But that's a I very never good thought about that either. I think a lot of people overlook that, but yeah, just the simple line of like, what babe? The babe with the power. The power of voodoo. And voodoo? everyone's like, oh yeah, it's a great song, but no one ever goes like, wait, she has the power of voodoo? What? That doesn't, that's, that never came up before. I never really thought about her. that. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. And now if you are in a dream, the... you have the power over the dream because you're the dreamer. Yes. Also. So Ooh. that would lead credence to that, but she wouldn't know that, so... I don't think I I am not I'm I'm on the fence. I don't think this movie is a dream. I don't know if it actually happened. I don't know if that's like the angle they're going for, but I don't think it's a full dream. So, I, I I got nothing. It's a strong argument. But strong. anyway, we have Sir Didymus, who is the most Monty Python character ever. 
I never got that because I never watched Monty Python, but I I do see what you mean now. I yeah, can bring it is. up. He is a a fox that is a knight that is that is like his job is to watch this bridge in the uh the bog of stint. And it's never really explained if like Jareth put him there or if he just lives there or like at some point. I like to think that at some point years ago he like he like tripped over the bridge or something or something happened on the bridge that just angered him and so he made this ridiculous rule for himself where he's like oh, I'll make sure that no one crosses this bridge ever again <laughs> but I like uh that's such a simple solution to that where like he fights with Ludo for a little bit and Sarah's like stop like why can't we trust this bridge and he's like well I'm sworn to protect it um it's it's my sacred vow and she's like what exactly is your sacred vow and he's like well, that no one can cross my bridge without permission. She's like, who's permission? We have well, your permission. <laughs> yeah. I've never thought to give it before. <laughs> it's a, I really, it's a good scene. It's great. Like, it made it's me smile. Like, <laughs> it's a great way to like add Didymus to the party. He's he's a cute character. I like him. Yeah. Where I, I like... he's like, I'm gonna fight you. I, I I'm strong and I'm courageous and <laughs> yeah, he's just <laughs> and yeah. I, I'm brave. <laughs> He's like, he is the, I was about to say the Oedipus Rex, not the Oedipus Rex. He's the Don Quixote of, uh, of the movie. <laughs> the He's Oedipus. constantly, constantly trying to fight windmills. <laughs> okay. We can go with that. I just love him. Just oh, come I mean, along does, with you. Me. It does fit it. Like he's just a character that, you know, he's trying to help them, but he's not like the, the best character at fighting or anything, but <laughs> he's just totally self-absorbed and thinks he's the best. <laughs> And now we can talk about the peach. <laughs> this is where the peach <laughs> Okay, I hate this part. Okay. This the, the other part I would cut out of the movie if I could. I would not cut this out of the movie because it adds so much context to the movie that it change it this changes everything. Yeah, I mean it, it seems kinda well, I mean, one when you think about the fact that, you know, it's I keep thinking that it's her her mother's boyfriend, new boyfriend in a way, so it mm. gets weird. But it's like her fantasy is to be dancing with him. Because well, I want to say, when she eats a peach, it's all her fantasy that she's dreaming. Well, let's explain the scene to give oh, some context. I guess that here. would help, huh? Yeah, because it's very strange. <laughs> they're walking, like they're past the stench. They're just walking. They're like they're all like saying like they're hungry. There's no food around. And Hoggle is like, all I have. Hoggle's just finally he gives up. He's like, well, you can have this peach. And he's he's kind of like not wanting to give it to her, but she just grabs it out of his hand. She says, thanks, Hoggle, and takes a bite. And the part where she says, this tastes funny. Oh, Hoggle, what did you do? Is so fucking, I don't know. That like hits me so hard every time. I don't know she what it is about it. that. She does it so well. Yeah, it's just like the pure betrayal of it. Where she's like, oh, Hoggle, what did you do? And falls over and it's just like, oh, oh, Hoggle, what the fuck did you just do, Hoggle? <laughs> God <laughs> damn it, Hoggle. White. That's what he did. She was 15, and that, that was, like, the best acting in this fuck. Like, that was some of the best acting. <laughs> she does oh, just fine in this movie. Like, she's great. a very good actress. And they even say that in the behind the scenes that she did a very good job listening to cues and going along with what he wanted. Mm -hmm. Oh, Hoggle, what did you do? It's just... <laughs> uh, Everything that line about so... that scene is creepy. The the Hoggle yeah. poisoning her, her mm -hmm. waking up in a weird masquerade yeah. ball type where everyone's wearing masks except for her and Goblin and David Bowie. And they're all adults. She's the only child there. Everyone else is an adult in like a masquerade yeah. ball. And she doesn't have a mask. David Bowie doesn't have a mask. And he's like approaching her from the other side of the room. 
and like talking about how he like he only wants to dance with her and it's so disturbing. Yeah, it gets even like I said, after you when you realize he's in the book, everything in this movie just gets that much more creepy. Yeah, it raises a lot of questions of I keep thinking that way and I don't like that I keep thinking that way, but I can't stop. Well, that's why I, a lot of people I go ruined ahead. it once I told him that. You did. Well, I spoiler alert, not the biggest fan of this movie in the first place, but well that's why a well, lot of people forget you then. <laughs> You're that's sleeping why. on the couch. I think um, this scene really more than anything else cements this as why people ascribe that this movie is like it's a coming of age movie, but it also is like a representation of uh, like a sexual assault or something happening to her when she was younger with this this man who was dating her mother. Because it's it's just very well could have. There's so much like self text happening that it just makes it even more horrifying in ways that like. I don't want to go too far into that, but it's hard with that knowledge. It's hard to watch this scene and not feel just some kind of like disturbed, like legitimately disturbed. As you were saying earlier, I mean, as you, as we, as we kind of had discussed that he is like an abusive character, like an abusive person, because this is also when he's starting to kind of show a different side. Like he's trying to, yes, I tricked you. Yes. I cut the time, but now I'm being nice to you. Now I'm dancing with you. I'm doing this. And it's like that. You know, here I've been an asshole to you, but here's just a little bit of, you know, like I can be nice oh. to you if you just do what I want type of thing. Mm. And that's me. Yeah. But there's a word yeah. for that. What is that? It's abusive, toxic. Well, you know, there's a there's a there's a word for within abusive relationships, periods of oh, love bombing. Love yes. bombing. That's it. Yes. Thank you. Helena. Yeah. <laughs> this is like the there's Yeah. He has like the abusive moments and this is like the oh, I like I'll always love you. I'll always protect you. Like. That's not really me. This movie so much creepier in a way that it wasn't before we started recording this to me. No, like I said, it's it's legitimately disturbing. It is it is downright like hard to watch at times once you start thinking of the movie in that way because it fits so well. Yeah, I mean, I'm just curious if that's what they were really going for. I'm assuming because it's too obvious. It feels as you dig into it too obvious. He was going for something like that. I don't think quite as intense, but something like that. (laughs) It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like um, like Hot Fuzz, where Hot Fuzz came out before a lot of allegations of like police brutality like really started like regaining stride for the first time in a long time, and. Like Hot Fuzz when it came out was like, okay, like this was meant to be a movie to take back the like idea of a good police officer to take it back from um gangster movies. That was Edgar Wright's goal in it. And then after all the like massive allegations of police brutality, the movie takes on a completely different like narrative where it's just like, okay, like it's kind of like the same thing. Like, even if this isn't what Jim Henson was going for directly, even if this isn't what Terry Jones was going for, that's kind of what it is now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the art yeah. has changed. It is it has been it, subjected to a new a new viewpoint? <laughs> Absolutely, I think when you yeah. So like the other the other part that kind of disturbs me about this scene is that she looks like a child bride. Yeah, yes. Ooh, that, she's man, kicking this. I'm sorry, about that, but, but that's you no. Know, you're okay. I, I like it. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. hard. Like it's hard mm-hmm. to see her very grown-up makeup and with the big poofy white dress and it for some reason it kind of reminds me of um white wedding yeah. billy idol the billy idol song mm-hmm. i'd say the scariest part is that like because you're with sarah at this like you, you've been following sarah for almost the entire movie so like she's the protagonist she's the one you're kind of with the entire movie and there's a part of that scene where she is like this is what i've always wanted and it's like 
no, get out, stop. I wasn't okay with that part either. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's like I want. I'm now even up. more not okay with this, yeah, this part. Like I, I want to grow up because that's kind of like every kid wants to like be an adult and aspire yeah. to be an adult. And it's like she's like, this is what my yeah. idea of adulthood is like. And it's like, no, no. I like I love the part where she's like starts walking away and David Bowie just like you see like a real anger in him. Like David Bowie is such a good actor. You see like a real anger in him as she's walking away and she gets the chair and shatters the the crystal ball that she's inside. And it's just like. It's it's so like relieving to be like yes okay finally we're out of that scene thank God. It oh. also kind of feels like it also makes sense that she's taking and she's shattering the illusion, mm-hmm. yeah, of mm-hmm. what this guy is trying to expose her to or this person. And the crystal balls have been like his kind of is, uh, that's like kind of David Bowie's power in this like universe is illusion. Like he he throws the crystal Whoa. ball at her in the beginning and it turns into the snake. I mean, it could be kind of oh, said that yeah. somebody that is, well, snake, lying, just, Yeah, deceptive. it's lies. I mean, that's his power. He's got the power of lying. I mean, that's kind of what someone that is abusive, that is their power, in a sense. Yeah, it's control. Usually, it's all you know, very, he's got sense. control yeah. over. I like that. Man, yeah, this went a lot darker than I was thought this episode was going to go, by the way. <laughs> really? We're talking about Labyrinth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wasn't expecting this. I couldn't find it. the movie, remember? Yeah, but I wasn't by by even though my brain does tend to go in certain places, it didn't completely go <laughs> as far as it is after we since we've been talking. People like how we uh, we have to keep giving Helena like <laughs> really dark episodes and then really like joyful episodes. <laughs> the first episode <laughs> yes, Helena was really on was do. like Majora's Mask, and we talked about depression for two hours. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, y'all. then Penumbra Overture. <laughs> oh. I feel like uh, I feel like the next time Helena's on, we need to do like Animal Crossing. <laughs> We're doing heavy <laughs> rain. Time going on. Next that's time, not, we're the... doing heavy rain. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I, I love it. That I'm sorry. Like matter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The next next time Helena's on, we'll do like we'll do like a Yoshi game. <laughs> yeah. Mario sixty four. Yeah. Recommendation. We do need to do that. I feel like I could find a way more really dark. <laughs> But yeah, we're we're out. She shattered the crystal ball. She shattered the illusion. David Bowie is. This is kind of like the the like shifting of power in the movie, where like she's shattered the illusion. She travels into the junkyard, and David Bowie is like kind of lost and doesn't have a exact solution anymore. He's kind of losing she's, control. She's still sort of out of it. She doesn't remember. Yes, which she, is... she doesn't remember her baby brother yet. Yeah, she forgets literally oh, everything. Yeah. Which is also very I forgot about that because it's the whole drugging aspect of it. It just kind of like cements that as yes, she was drugged. Yep. And then the junk lady comes along. The, the junk lady comes along to uh, give us a <laughs> breath of fresh air, make us, like, <laughs> make us all laugh again for a minute. But that scene is like kind of dark too. I it, think is, it is. It's dark, but it's like. I don't know. It's it's dark, but it's still like more lighthearted dark. I guess it is. It is than the ballroom scene, yeah. but you get the junk lady in there. Like here, don't remember what you're here for. Have your toys. Have yeah. your dolly. Have it, this. And she. It always made me laugh how she was always like giving her the side eye, like yeah, the way yeah. she like shift her eyes over. Yeah, you know, every time she hands her something, she's like, "Oh, but like I don't play with this anymore." And he's like, "Well, forget that. Take this toy." And she's like, "I don't really think about this toy all that much." Well, forget that. Here's your journal. Don't you like your journal? You need your slippers. You need your slippers. Your pants. Don't forget your sad panda slippers. 
<laughs> Doesn't she call them the sad panda slippers or something? I think so. Yeah. I can't sad panda this. slippers. I remember the scene, but I don't remember slippers mm. at all. That's I love how that like she's in her room and everything just comes everything gets like torn apart. I love that effect. You thought like, it was a dream down. and then the junk lady ruined all that. Yeah, she walks in, the junk lady storms in the room like, ah, I'm here, hon. I'm still here. Can't get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dream yeah, like, a dream the walls being torn down and like the junk pouring in i don't know something about that effect is so cool to me <laughs> like the room is being torn apart around her but it's being torn out like it's it's so i don't i i need to watch the behind the scenes to see how they did that because that's so cool i don't know if they mentioned that i can tell you how the junk lady is puppeted though <laughs> Uh, just 20 people stacked on top of each other. <laughs> it's the it's a, a normal sized person and her head is like in the pile, the top of the pile of junk. Okay. And she has a camera where she can see where she's going. Oh, wow. And that's how and she said she had like a big screen and a camera and she said why she was shuffling was because she had so much of this crap she had to drag around with her. That's a that might be one of my favorite puppets in the movie. It looks it reminds me of the happy mask salesman from Majora's Mask. <laughs> it really does. All that crap piled on her back, like she looks like a turtle because she's got just the like all the junk that she's like. It looks like she's just like thrown it onto her back to hold onto it. It's great. It took me watching it recently to realize there is more than just that one junk person. That they're all like everywhere. Yeah. It's how I go. Oh. <laughs> it's yeah. It's. I don't know. I was gonna say it reminds me of like uh like the Matrix, but I don't know if that. I don't know if I can explain why. Yeah, oh, that would be interesting. <laughs> explain. Like, uh, like in the Matrix when it does that shot of Neo in the goo at the beginning, and it's got all the squid robots just going around checking on everything and like picking shit up. Uh, something about that scene like reminded me of that. Seeing all the junk people walking around just like picking through the trash, but it's not trash. <laughs> it's all. It's kind of implied to be like stuff that people have like lost too. Yeah, so, yeah there is a lot of garbage and like things of that nature. You know what it is? There's an episode of Fairly Odd Parents that oh, is. That, <laughs> I, I don't know if anyone else remembers. There's an episode of Fairly Odd Parents where uh, Timmy is like, he keeps losing his socks. And so Wanda and Cosmo are like, well, let's just go to like the island of lost items. And so they go to this island where all this junk is laying around. And there's like, um, I think uh, Jurgen von Strongman, whatever his name is, is there for some reason. <laughs> I do not at... recall that. <laughs> he says something. He has some. There's some funny line where like it gets really serious, and Jurgen is like, "Look, look upon the island of lost items. Everything you have ever lost is here. <laughs> <laughs> you have lost so much, Timmy." It's <laughs> like what? I, I I, no what the idea. fuck is his name? Now there, there'll be some younger viewers who remember Fairly Odd Parents. Anyone who's I remember it, I just don't know his name. It's Jorgen Von Strangle. Jorgen Von Strangle. But what? Yeah. Oh my. He's like it's the he's the so uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger fairy. <laughs> I am a fairy godfather. <laughs> Come, we will have fun. <laughs> I will grant you wishes. This we is a rabbit hole. 
list items. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so let's anyway. climb back up. Climb back oh, up. Oh no, yeah, I meant uh, my Google search later will be a rabbit hole. Uh, oh, I <laughs> dig into this. The main thing I remember. Uh, That's funny. The main thing I remember about Jorgen von Strangle is uh, when he's doing the stand up, and somebody's like, "I get it," and he's like, "Yes, that is the joke." <laughs> And then Cosmo says he has a five head and everyone laughs. <laughs> okay, I want to say one of the next things that comes up is when they get to that big gate with the giant troll looking thing. Yeah, the thing from Skyrim. <laughs> I never played Skyrim. But I really like it when they get to this gate and you see like this giant golem that comes out and the whole behind the scenes of how they created that. We're going to say a golem. It's, this isn't, I don't know what it's supposed to be. But it's really cool because it's a real metal thing, robot-like mm. thing. That they built in 86. 20 feet tall or whatever. Really cool. His name is uh, Humongous. Is it really? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I was going to say Gigantor. That's kind of close, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Do they say the name in the movie or is that just like backgrounded? They do in the wiki. Oh. <laughs> this, is the, this is one of the few movies where uh, the few things we've talked about where I don't have a wiki open. I'm just on the Wikipedia page. Hey, that's just, just so I can hold on to the plot. It's a it's a lot of plot. There's yeah. a lot of turns to it. Usually yeah. I have to because it's, it's right after the the guard. But the one thing important about the gate guard is that Hoggle I think comes back and comes to the rescue and it's kind of him redeeming himself because yeah. he realizes he's, he fucked up. Yeah, Hog- he well, led her into a trap. Yeah, Didymus and Ludo like team back up with her when her room is getting torn apart. They like fall into the room. They're like, "Lady Sarah, let's just, you're here." They pull Come her out. You. They pull her out of the chaos. Yeah, I like that. Didymus is like, Didymus is like, "Don't worry, I've saved you." And it's like, no, she she just did everything by herself, dude. You she just happen to show up. The end. <laughs> Which I but, like uh, that. You know, she's it's showing that she's she's escaping her own like she's escaping without having needing someone to help her. She's the babe of the power. She's gaining control. Oh. You know, that that song all of a sudden makes so much more sense. And also yeah. in a creepy way, you think she's the babe and she's 14. And he's calling her the babe. It just makes it even extra creepy. But you know. just wait. At the end, I'm going to take all this darkness. I'm going to turn it into a real positive. Just wait. We'll get there. We'll get there. OK. But uh, yeah, that's when. Yeah. Hoggle's like running along the, the top of the wall, which I don't know how he got up there, but he's. He's running along the wall and jumping down on the mech. It's just like this. I was not expecting this in this movie. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it to be like powered by another little goblin. <laughs> Everything's powered by a little goblin, though. Yeah, I, I guess you're right. I would like I need to like somebody needs to go to Bethesda and ask them questions because there is an enemy in Bethesda that is in Bethesda in, in Skyrim that is very, very <laughs> similar to Humongous. I was like Bethesda. The enemy in Bethesda, Bethesda. In that company is themselves when they do dumb things. Yes. Like when they leash Doom and had you sign in to play an o- offline game. You know, but like uh, Steam used to do that. It was really fucking stupid. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's uh, there's an enemy in Skyrim that's like a big dwarven. Uh, I think it's called a Centurion, and it has like the same entrance as um, the one in this. Aside from the one cool thing I love about this is that the doors close and both half halves of the robot are on either side of the door. And it forms mm-hmm. together. That's so cool. <laughs> Do you know uh, who who thought of that? Because that's like that that's Jim Henson. <laughs> that seems like something like straight out of a nightmare. <laughs> One day he was like, "We need a twenty foot metal robot man," and they were like, "Okay, <laughs> does, um, you got it, Chief." <laughs> does that technically make Labyrinth a mech movie? <laughs> <laughs> like, I say no. It's like Iron Blooded Orphans Labyrinth, like. Same same genre. 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna start saying that. I'm gonna start saying Labyrinth is my favorite Gundam movie. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it technically has a Gundam in it. A Gundam, I suppose. <laughs> I like how, I like how Hoggle just like rips the fucking pilot out of it and like throws him twenty feet to the ground. <laughs> he just gets up like, like you prick, and runs off. <laughs> He's like, ah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, but what? Ha- I can't remember what happens. Like where it starts blowing up. Is it just Hoggle fucking up like the controls where it just starts collapsing in yeah. on itself? He doesn't know how to do it, so he <laughs> he tries to pilot it and it blows up. <laughs> Credit to uh, to Sarah for being so forgiving for Hoggle. Where like he shows up and he's just like, I'm so sorry, like I don't but he says something like, I don't expect you to forgive me, but he he says something weird where it's like, I won't apologize because I don't expect you to forgive me, but I'm taking full responsibility. It's a very odd way of phrasing it. But it's like, I guess that's kind of the way you're supposed to do it. I don't know. <laughs> it, it doesn't sound, it's not an apology, but Sarah's just like, I forgive you. And he's like, why? I don't understand. I'm just like, <laughs> I don't think Hoggle knows how to be a friend and how to like really apologize. But the fact that someone was willing to forgive him, like really, really kind of lends itself. Yeah, totally. It's like, his work. probably his first friend. Well, it was his first friend. He talks about that. And he's like, I've never had a friend before. He's, in, in many ways, Hoggle is like, um, he's like Dobby the house elf, but a little bit more badass. <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever given Hoggle a sock before. Hoggle <laughs> <laughs> <Talk> free! <laughs> Hoggle is a free goblin. <laughs> uh, is Hoggle so... supposed to be a goblin? Yeah, he's a goblin. Okay. okay. I think the most part, hybrid, I think. Between goblin and... I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I just assumed he's a full goblin. But I don't know. He's kind of bigger than a lot of the other goblins, though. Well, I always he have also question... kills fairies, so doesn't that make him evil? Well, I think that makes him, like, essentially their version of, like, the Ghostbusters, how they're just, like, it's, like, it's in a very bizarre world, but at the end... Okay, I couldn't hear for a second. I Okay, neither could I... No, I can hear you guys. I okay. lost you. Oh, it wasn't Every... just me. Oh my god! No. <laughs> All right, but one scene that I definitely want to mention that I I think I had the most enjoyment out of this scene. Second second was the vlogger. This was my favorite. Is when you have the whole battle, and there's one part that confuses me when they get into the town and the two and the groups of soldiers and goblins all come up riding Yoshi's. And there's a scene where both the goblins charge each other, and I was just like, why are they charging each other? Why aren't they charging her? But I think it's just was a bad angle or something, or it was just my brain, not are they idiots. I'm not one of those three. And but that whole scene when they're running through the town and you have cannons going off, and then eventually you have Ludo singing and all the rock buddies come chasing after the goblins. I love this scene. Like this is especially when you watch this point in 1.5 times speed, it is great. It just makes complete sense. <laughs> Everybody's moving fast. It was it was we saw it right before we were we did this recording. I was just like this is this is how the movie should have been right here. It made it all, all that much better. Okay, uh, this part is going to be so hard for you to edit, Mike, but I just lost everybody now and I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about in the town when they're all fighting. Okay, oh, yeah, the going. whole battle And section. then you have, like, you have the scene with Sir Dinofist or Sir Sir Arrogant Fox sitting on the, the beautiful puppy. Yeah, Sir, Sir Arrogant. Sir Dinofist is the coolest character name ever. <laughs> I am Sir Dinofist. Oh, God, yes. why is my brain going places? Okay, it's like... Yeah. <laughs> That's a 12-year-old's idea of the best thing ever. Like, the, they're, like, it's a 12-year-old's original character, Sir Dino Fist. <laughs> I, I did want to say really quickly, I'm not sure if you can use this, but 
I did just Google Didymus because I was curious, and I know that I've heard that word before. It, it's a male gonad. Uh, it's the egg-shaped gland found within the scrotum, also called a testicle. Oh, Shut wow. up! Wow, <laughs> to, uh, it just gets weirder and weirder, huh? To give the other side of that, um, Didymus was also the alternate name for one of Jesus' apostles. So oh. I, don't, I don't know which of those it's referencing, but I'm guessing it wasn't the testicle one. Oh, speaking of the battle, but it's, really, it's oh, Hinson, I'm thinking so of Sir Arrogant. Sure, arrogant testicle. Like, there's a part where they surround him, a bunch of the goblins do, and he's like, "Ah, you have, I have you surrounded." And he's all confident, he's all arrogant. I, I didn't. I, that was funny. That made me laugh. And then, like, they run into each other or something stupid. But just, just even, and after I watched the behind the scenes of how that whole battle plays out, and a lot of some of those goblins are just are um, midgets that are in costumes, and the way they did Little everything piece. is so midgets. It's just so cool. It is such a cool scene, like everything. And you have so many puppets and characters running around. I mean, and they're destroying the set, too, I feel, with their fake rocks and their fake explosions. I learned today that Warwick Davis is two of those goblins. Really? I did not know yeah, that. Two of the only two of them. I'm surprised I didn't know that, because I love Warwick Davis, and I was excited yeah, to see him show up in things. But he doesn't really show up in, I guess, his face doesn't show up, so I guess that's why. No, he's got, like, people puppeteering his head <laughs> i i had to look up real one, quick because uh is he the one oh, inside the metal suit that's shooting i don't okay. know okay. i have I, no idea I, specific. I, that scene oh, you're talking about like the cannon that it's oh, yeah, the cannon scene and yeah. there's a part the where great. when they have the cannon it's shooting it's shooting cannonballs and the rock falls on it i think he says i'm okay and all i could think of yeah. was that scene from turtles where they're like, no, he's not dead. He's breathing. I know we just killed him, but he's breathing. He's breathing, guys. Don't worry. Yeah, That's all I can think about. They had to ADR in. <laughs> I like uh, There's a shot where <laughs> there's a literal shot, but there's a, a a a scene in the movie where it's like a very quick cut where it shows the cannon go off and it shows a rock being blown up. And for like the briefest of seconds, it's played as like the most serious shot. <laughs> it's just it's so it's like something out of a war movie. And it's just one quick cut that doesn't fit, and I find it so funny. It's like a rock exploding, and I would expect the next scene to some, be like somebody going like, "No!" <laughs> <laughs> I got a bad feeling about this. Um, fun fact: because I had to look it up, Didymus was Thomas the, the Apostle, who's more famous. Yes, well, he's more famously known as Doubting Thomas, which I don't know why Didymus would be named after Doubting Thomas. If anyone should be named that, it should be Hoggle. That's, it, I that's agree. Weird. I also think it's all about fault now. Every time I see that fox, I'm just going to make ball sack now. I'm not okay with that. You're not okay with it. I love when Tidimus has like that, there's like that funny, I think it's Patton, I don't want to misattribute it, but there's a funny like quote from World War II. I want to say it's Patton is surrounded by like enemy forces and one of his famous quotes is like, sir, they have us surrounded and he's like, good, we know exactly where they are. Like Didymus has like a similarly funny line where he walks out into the middle of like twenty goblins and he's like, "Don't worry, Ambrosius, we have him surrounded." Ambrosius, come back here! I won't feed you ever again. <laughs> you coward! <laughs> he calls the dog a coward for like, like the dog runs into a, a house and closes the door shut. <laughs> I like Ambrosius. You Ambrosius, I want a dog like Ambrosius. Whatever kind of dog that is, I think it's a collie of some kind. A, um, a sheep dog? Sheep dog, maybe. I just call it the shaggy dog. 
It's a woolly boy. A shaggy dog. It's a woolly boy. A woolly boy. I like that. Actually, do you know um somebody I know has a dog like that, and they actually named it uh, Bully for Wooly Bully. <laughs> the cutest dog. But anyway, back to the battle. Because I want to mention really cool. when it, it's it's really well shot because it's like total chaos, but it's it's shot like it goes back and forth between like close up shots and like wide shots. But at no point does it. It's like a, a thing that a lot of movies do now where they're like, oh, we got to have like the shaky cam to show how intense everything is. But this is just like it's shot almost like comedically where it'll just it'll just zoom out to a wide shot. And it's just like all these fucking people running around the city like and it's like a Scooby Doo scene. <laughs> I, I love when they all go into the house to escape all the... This is before the rocks come in. They go into the house to escape all the goblins, and the entire house is shaking back and forth. Something about that is just, like, so cartoony and fun to me. I can see that. I mean, it is kind of cartoony. Yeah. It's it's just... It's... Like, where they climb out the roof of the house to get out? <laughs> yeah, they're climbing he up, he like, just the knocks chimney. off the roof. <laughs> yeah, he's he's not knocking on the roof, and then like Sarah's in the house, like breaking fucking bottles over people's heads. She's not taking at this no point. In the movie, she is not fifty invitations, and just That's like joke. the fact someone gets it, <laughs> somebody out there, we're looking at you, audience member, who gets that. From a very <laughs> famous game. There's a scene where she says, "No, I said no more than fifty invitations." Ah, uh, I'm sure that I will know that eventually, and you I'll get mad at myself. It involves a guy named Leon. Leon! Oh. Leon! oh, I'm dumb. Oh, Sam's Ashley. gonna fucking yell at me for that. Eight oh wait, eight oh wait. Any help? Yeah, I, I, don't worry. I'm gonna get yelled at for not getting that joke. It's Resident Evil Four. <laughs> I'm aware. <laughs> I'm just not looking forward to getting yelled at. <laughs> You're just like I'm going to ignore Mike. Maybe he'll stop talking. <laughs> yeah, maybe just, just shut Spoiler up. alert. I'll never stop. All right. But, uh, um, you go. After the battle. Well, I was just going <laughs> to say, after the, the battle, battle. They, uh, back to the battle. After the battle, they, they storm the, they, I got they storm Jareth's like, like <laughs> the Acropolis, like his big towel. I, it's, it's great that they duck, like when, before that, uh, cannon, I'm, I'm jumping back and forth now in my head. So I'm like having trouble communicating this. I like when the cannon is shooting at them and like they duck behind the fucking fountain and it's just like, Machine gun bullets flying everywhere. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's a war movie. You hear like that. Don't like forget Hoggle's pissing. Yeah, fountain. the, the, the fountain of Hoggle peeing. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like four Hoggle's peeing, isn't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't even maybe, want to think what the movie's trying to tell us. Maybe that's why Hoggle left the. Well, no, maybe it's something really simple. Like maybe that's why he left um, the Goblin City and he lives outside the walls is because like people really like Hoggle. And so, like, or like they were making fun of Hoggle, and so they built his like they caught him peeing into a fountain, and so they put him on the fountain peeing into it. <laughs> and so he's like, "Fine, I'll go pee on the ponds outside the wall." Put way too much thought into that. I just want to say a uh, uh, hashtag mood for the one goblin that at some point during the battle just says, "Fuck this, I'm going to sleep." <laughs> that's, War that's Warwick Davis. That's Warwick Davis. Awesome. Yeah, he's the one that goes. <laughs> Whatever. Enough of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Enough of this. I'm going to bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just like the most relatable character in any movie. (laughs) Enough of this. I'm going to bed. (laughs) And then all the rocks chase him into the house. (laughs) Like fuck, I'm out of here. Oh, now we're at we're at the ending. The 
Well, we got the staircase we got to talk about with the weird ass song that I mean, okay, that scene. I mean, after everything we talked about about this movie so far, that scene just even screams more weirdness and toxicity. I feel like before we get there, they they run through like when he when he when they're they're storming. This is like yeah, (laughs) you talk. (laughs) Well, this is after they they storm into like his throne room. And he's not there. And they're like, like, let's go get him. And Sarah's like, no, I have to do this alone. And they're like, why? And she's like, because that's how it goes. Like, that's that's how all like movies and books end is I have to face him alone. I like that line of like Hoggle just being like, well, like, we're here if you need us. Like, don't forget to call. And it's like, uh, I, I don't know. So I, that really like is kind of touching because it's like, oh, yeah, like this is their goodbye. Like after she beats him, she's going back home. So she's not going to see them again. And they're just so kind of torn up about it like if you need us call us like don't forget about us and she goes off to fight Jareth. I, I just that's a, like a really touching moment that i like before the uh before she goes to the mc escher painting <laughs> <laughs> i thought again so i thought you'd say mc hammer but you let me know <laughs> <laughs> no. it's mc escher <laughs> can't touch this okay. yeah and <laughs> that i didn't right, realize though, that song fucking in my head oh man it's creepy. It's not it's good. Just can't touch this. It's so that's a little creepy too. But <laughs> so... well, that, like <laughs> no, so many of the lines in that song are like like where he's talk like where he's like half singing, half talking to her, and he said this one line that really stands out that always fucking like legitimately disturbs me. Where he's like, um, if you just let me rule you, I'll be like, I'll be your slave. It's yeah. just I like this I don't know. That's like it's so. But again, this did come out in the eight. Yeah. So maybe you wouldn't have had the type of like now where we're more aware of things where you wouldn't have been at that time. Maybe I, I maybe, maybe he was going for what it's how we're feeling about this. I have two theories about it where it was all like a happy like it was all like a, a happy accident where they didn't realize they were making this movie with this deeper meaning. And they like it happened accidentally and now it exists or because this is a kid's movie. This was a movie made for children. This had a P- this had a PG rating. It was really? Terry. Yeah, it did. It was my my other theory is that it was Terry Jones and Jim Henson like saying, "How can we warn kids about this kind of behavior in a way that That's a really can... real cool way to think about it?" I I want to say that it that was that was it that it was it was Terry Jones and and Jim Henson saying, "This is the story we want to tell." This is like the the this is the kind of evil character we want to show because I feel like Terry Jones and Jim Henson were both pretty ahead of their time. They're both pretty forward thinking guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean Jim Henson especially, but like yeah, I've I that, I'm more in the camp of they knew what they were doing and they were it was like it was a, a kind of warning to kids like hey if you recognize this kind of behavior if somebody is trying to control you then. You need to understand that because there's too many things for it to be coincidence because there I mean, especially the more and the more we're talking about it, the more things are jumping out at me that I didn't realize. Like I saw that it was kind of creepy that he's chasing after her. She's trying to get to the baby and he's saying some weird stuff, but I didn't have subtitles on. So I missed out mm-hmm. on like I'd missed out on that line. Oh, I God. Like all, all the all the lines there are so fucking creepy. All of his lines at the <laughs> end where he's uh, like, yeah, it's just like, oh, just let me rule you. And like. The so many of his lines are like weird contradiction. Oh, the direct line <laughs> um, is I asked for so little, just fear me, love me, do as I say, and I will be your slave. Yep, yeah, that that's God, that is manipulative and toxic in uh, so many levels. I mean, in one line, it can sound like sexy in a way if you don't really, if you 
don't if you don't understand the whole meaning behind that. But to me, it just sounds very toxic. But I, I think mean, David absolutely. Bowie. Yeah, I think yeah, Dave it's... Bowie wrote the music too for this movie. I want to yeah, say he, he wrote he, everything. He wrote yeah. all the music. But again, a pretty forward-thinking guy. So yeah, hey, he wrote. Hey, like, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Nope. <laughs> oh, my Siri is freaking out, and now it's gonna freak out again because I said the name again. Damn it! But yeah, like <laughs> it's an, uh, it's an so ongoing thing in the podcast. Just, just fucking like I don't know. Creepy? It's it's hard. It's hard to watch. And if anyone's ever been in that situation, it's hard to watch those scenes and like not feel very, very uncomfortable, very disturbed during those moments. Like, yeah, really just I'll be your slave. Oh God. With the with after after we've been talking, just the way that I'm viewing things now can be very interesting when I rewatch this movie again. Because I'm gonna probably pick up on a lot more. Yeah, do it with a script too. When you're reading the lines and or, you know, with like subtitles on. When you're reading the lines mm. and hearing the way they're being delivered, it is much darker than you expect it yeah. to be. Yeah, it's a I lot say, creepier. Uh, I wanna say I, I have no basis for this. Um I don't know this for sure, but Oh, I have a base for I don't know this for sure, but I want to say like this is probably the performance that like David Lynch saw. And he was like, yes, I want that guy to be in my show, in my movies, <laughs> like that creepy motherfucker that is delivering these insanely disturbing lines, but still being like, like weirdly like human during it. I don't know, it's it's all credit to Jennifer Connelly and, um, and David Bowie for just having like the best performances ever during these sections. Yeah, yeah they both do a great job. In they both did movie. well. Yeah, especially Jennifer Connelly being so young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just like the a very weird ass. And I want to say the whole way that she even beats David Bowie's character, the Goblin King, is by finding out that she has the power. Isn't that how it ends? I want to say like she realized well, he has. You, you she, have um, no power yeah, over yeah. me. The best line ever. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, you have no power. Yeah. Over me. Again, yeah, another another part that hits that whole aspect of a toxic, abusive relationship. Like it, God, <laughs> this movie is. And they set that up in the very beginning of the movie when she's doing her monologue and she can't remember that line. And it's a she, full circle like, ending. Yeah, yeah, she realizes at the end of the movie, like, like she has the power. She knows the lines. She knows the end of the book, and she just can't remember that one. She can't remember that she has the power in that situation. It's so good. <laughs> And it's just, that, oh god, god, this, it's it's a cool. it's it a difficult a movie because it is it's a kids movie and it's like in a lot of ways it's really fun and really funny and then you put this like new lens on it it's like holy shit this movie is like really dark, dark and, and it's not about like a girl trying to <laughs> yeah it's not about a girl trying to get her brother back it's about a girl like overcoming her abuser and she's like holy shit okay yeah that's <laughs> that's what's happening now. <laughs> Yep. Wow, but I like that. Is... Yeah, she she overcomes it, and immediately David Bowie like just loses all all power. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah. It's a great great metaphor. So I say it has that positive ending. Like it's disturbing the entire way, but it has that hap- that happy like final battle. Yeah, and you get to see trying... her grow up, which is really hard and isn't linear. And she has lots of ups and downs, but mm. in the end, she makes it. Yeah. It, I, I was I was trying to think of like other movies that tell stories like that, and I couldn't come up with any that really were really good. Or generally, when like an abuser is in a movie, the movie is more about like a revenge fantasy, which is yes. always like the the route you should go. That's kind yes. of more just like ah, oh, like a nice euphoria of it. But um, what the fuck? There's a movie with I want to say it was with Mark Wahlberg, maybe where he's like an abusive boyfriend that's like. 
he's like he at some point he like starts punching his chest to fake that like the dad is beating him to like convince the girlfriend to to le- like get out of that house so that he can control her and i can't fucking i couldn't remember the name of that movie but it's like the only other one i could think of that like came close to that story i'm not familiar with that but it's i'm trying to remember the annoying thing is i only the only reference point i have for that movie is that they make a joke about it in always sunny (laughs) that's the only (laughs) thing i can play it to of course you um, I, I can't remember the name. It's very good, but I can't remember it. Uh, I'll try to look it. Oh, it, uh, it's Fear. The movie's Fear. It is Mark <laughs> Wahlberg. It's uh, Mark Wahlberg and uh, Reese Witherspoon. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's Reese like he's supposed to be like the he's like the perfect boyfriend to her and everything, and then like he starts getting like really like aggressive and controlling and creepy. But like that's a good movie, but like that doesn't come close to like David Bowie's just disturbingness and. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's why I like that it ends with uh with the MC Escher painting because that painting is all about kind of like <laughs> MC again Hammer. the I idea. Keep hearing of... it every time. What? Oh, MC Hammer. <laughs> every what, time you say MC Escher, I'm like Hammer. I'm waiting. Well, that's what I like about the MC Hammer painting of uh, relativity, <laughs> which uh, it's actually not a painting; it's a prince. But yeah, the whole oh, point oh, of right. that that work by that artist, so Mike, <laughs> is that uh. Yeah, it's all about like illusion and kind of like normal laws don't apply to that painting, which is great because, yeah, like David Bowie's whole power is illusion. Like we were saying, it's it's lying. It's trying to control her and kind of gaslight her and make her lose her sense of uh, of reality. Uh, that whole yes. the whole sequence is shot so well where she's chasing Toby around and like toby's like up on the ceiling and she's down on the ground and then she like walks out and like suddenly toby's across the room and she's got like a gap to cross and you never you never know where she's at in that whole scene until the very end where david bowie comes to confront her and she has her line i have the power now and like suddenly it's it's a really subtle section but suddenly you see where she is yeah you know what what other movie that does gaslighting really well is inception uh yeah i never thought about that but i can see it mm-hmm. well, yeah he convinces his now i've seen inception once in my life so also remember <laughs> okay. this is a very basic understanding but he convinces his <laughs> wife that the only way to get out is by ending the dream right and then she ends up killing herself and i yeah. thought that was a really powerful metaphor for gaslighting but i also understand that most people did not interpret it that way I never did before, but I never thought of it that way. But it does make I can see it now that you say it in a dark. Episode. Oh, you know what? The there's a, there actually is a uh, they cover it pretty well in um, Perfect Blue, where mm-hmm. the whole the point of Perfect Blue is it's like an, that's the anime. Yeah, it's another Satoshi Kon movie who also did Paprika, which is what Inception came from. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't like I don't like Christopher Nolan, but. Yeah, Perfect Blue is all about like a a Japanese pop idol who is like losing her grasp on reality and like her managers are not helping her with that. And it's just it's another movie that's very disturbing because you never know what's real and what like it's told from her perspective mostly. So you don't know what's actually happening and what's like a dream. Mm-hmm. But interesting. Also, I've always wanted to see this. For, yeah, it, uh, Black Swan was also based on Perfect Blue, or at least there's uh, a yeah, lot I think it was. Of... Oh, it's Natalie Portman. Well, yes yeah black swan was based on like perfect blue and black swan which is a of real course. ballet but i looked yeah, at black swan i did that, not find the movie on wikipedia first 
I was just talking uh, to somebody about Black, Black Swan, Swan like two weeks ago. Real. Interestingly enough, it's Black good. Swan's a weird movie. Black Swan, Black Swan was a good movie that got like a ridiculous amount of press because uh, they were like, "Oh, there's like a lesbian sex scene, and this is it's gonna yeah, demoralize yeah. all of our children. There'll be chaos in the streets." Because <laughs> there was like a three second sex scene with Natalie Portman and Miley Cyrus. I remember, yeah, they, everyone was saying like, "Like the world is going to end." That was the level of seriousness that people were talking about. Black Swan. Hey, remember like, that Jesus Super Christ. Bowl? There are certain people who watched that Super it's... Bowl special just happened. They are now going to hell because their their poor eyes were damaged. You know, they saw a woman mm-hmm. shake their ass. Oh God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Old dancing is the devil. Yeah, as if anyone. I don't know why everyone like the idea that anyone was fucking surprised about the goddamn Super Bowl halftime show. Like they've never heard of Shakira or Beyonce before. Like Beyonce, what the fuck is wrong with you? What the fuck's wrong with you? You just said Beyonce instead of J Lo. I'm what's up? Yeah, I'm sorry, not Beyonce, not Beyonce, J Lo. I'm slightly offended right now. I I will in my defense I didn't actually watch the Super Bowl I just saw all the people freaking out about it afterwards. You should watch it. The the halftime show was so good. Yeah, good. I've heard it's very good. I've seen like stills of it, but I haven't actually watched the whole thing. I did um, after. Yeah, the amount of people are just like freaking out. Like I can't believe Shakira like showed her buttons. Like you know who Shakira is. We all know. We all remember Hips Don't Lie. Like, we knew going yeah, in what we were getting. You, you know <laughs> her music, right? Yeah. I mean, a lot of that had to do with people. I mean, some people were just not okay with it just because they weren't. Because, it, I mean, some people mm-hmm. consider Super Bowl family friendly in a way that I, I'm like, you're okay if people watching them beat the okay. shit out of each other and tackle them. But that's, yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. I found that odd. <laughs> also, I think as a culture, we're like that. Let's say that, but let's just ignore that. Like, how many fucking like NFL players are like known rapists or abusers or like have just beat the shit out of people and gotten away with it? But whatever. Remember that guy OJ Simpson? He was innocent, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For those that are on Facebook, I do love the meme that's going around where it says "acquitted doesn't mean you're innocent." And has a picture of OJ Simpson. I just laugh every time, but I don't look too far into that. But that does crack me up every time I see it. <laughs> oh, did we talk about the ending of this movie when she? Because we got to start wrapping this up soon. We got half an hour, but did we talk mm. about the ending where she comes out of the bedroom or comes back into the bedroom? Um, we no, did we not got there yet. Not okay, yet. I'll take it over. That's actually where we're at. I had to, okay, I had to run away, so I didn't. <laughs> but I'll take over for this Hi. part. Like I, that part is cool, but to me, it was like I liked how you know she comes back to the real world with Toby, and she's kind of sad because the friends that she made along the way aren't there with her. And just, and then they all come through the mirror, and one I'm like, and they're you know they're all partying, making you know loud music, and I'm gonna be one. I don't get parent... the party. Oh. Why not? They just won. Yeah, yeah but parents would hear so... it. are there. You have the goblins, it's... and you have the guy with the weird yeah. bird on his head that we neglected to talk about for some reason. Because I forgot about him. <laughs> yeah, I. Do you mean uh, Banjo Kazooie? <laughs> 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 That was perfect. Yeah. That is the strangest part of the movie, but I think that leans. Lean, I think that leans. Sorry, I got my accent slipping through. Um, <laughs> I think that lends credence to the notion that it did actually happen and that she does have some kind of actual power, unless she's just imagining that. Power of the babe? I think she has the power of the babe, which is voodoo, um, as we all voodoo? know. <laughs> <laughs> It happened to happen. Wow, it had to happen once this episode. I wanted to make sure it was going to happen. 
<laughs> Somehow I avoided it up till now. Um, you just been annoying me when I tried earlier. Like I'll just like, Because if we did that at the beginning of the episode, that's all we would do for the rest of the episode. <laughs> I know if I got into that, I would not be able to get out of it. I know where I know how my mind works. <laughs> I do too oh. at this point. But yeah, it's it's an odd and well, first of all, like her uh she shows up in a room and she gives her brother uh, the step bear that she was looking for in the beginning, which they never explain how that bear left her room because she accuses the baby of stealing it, even though it's a baby. Somebody's been it. in my room. I hate that. Yeah. I hate that. <laughs> she did it better. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the one. one that's the one part of her acting that I don't like. Uh, I hate that. Well, <laughs> yeah, the she mom, cried. the stepmom, and the dad return, and she she takes some time to like respond to them which is kind of a dick move uh, i know she's happy to be back but they're like honey we're home honey honey are you up there you... first of all it's a dick move on the parents because what it's like it's midnight and they're just yeah. yelling in the house like we're back like we assume you're still awake you 15 year old girl and baby at midnight <laughs> just wake, wake up, up the we're home from the play <laughs> oh yeah, she's like you they're yelling do. for wake quite a while where she says like it's okay and then they don't go like they don't come up to like check on her or the baby. They're just like, okay, yeah, she's here. <laughs> All right. I mean, they don't hear Very the big strange. party like. And again, yeah, as, as but... Tiffany said, I don't understand why the goblins were there exactly. But maybe the goblins weren't bad. It was the Goblin King that was bad because the Goblin King is an abusive, manipulative asshole. So. Well, I guess maybe it was Sarah just all the random the goblin... characters. Oh, the Goblin Queen. Well, maybe. Yeah, maybe she's maybe she since she defeated David Bowie, she's now the leader of the goblins. I don't know. Oh, I, that's that mean... I don't know. I, that's the thing. <laughs> does that mean that Jareth was once a Sarah? And uh, that makes sense. That may, that that would make sense. A lot of people like he made it were once bad. Yeah, yeah. It's like the cycle of bullying. Now yeah, I'm picturing a teenage Bowie. This can't get out of my you head. You can Google it if you want to keep put. I mean, Google finds your teenage Bowie, I'm sure. No, that's okay. I'll, no. Right. I'm not going to Google teenage it. Teenage Bowie or Teenage Bully? Bowie. Wait, what? Bowie. Bully. Bully. Teenage Bully. Oh, I think I said Bully twice. I meant to say Teenage Bowie or Teenage Bully, and I think I said Bully twice in a row. That happens, by the way, sometimes. <laughs> Confused myself. <laughs> um, hey, there's a song called Teenage I... Wildlife by David Bowie, by the way. I didn't know that. Yeah. I don't listen to David, David Bowie, Bowie. By the They're way. all good, and you should listen to all of them. The only song That's I really scary. know that I know like a lot is Ziggy Stardust because of Guitar Hero One. A lot of people here. know the song Heroes, but they don't know that it's David Bowie. I find. I don't think I did. I think he just taught me something new. It out there. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite song by David Bowie is "Where Are We Now," but whatever. Right, <laughs> um, <laughs> just Tiffany. I, what's your I mean, song by David Bowie? <laughs> I, I'm not a David Bowie fan, so. <laughs> Okay. Yes, you, you are. Everybody is. <laughs> I, She's in this movie. You just don't know you are. <laughs> my favorite I just is. Don't know I am. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> my favorite is Heroes, and it's because they covered it in American Horror Story, uh, season four. You, uh, my favorite show. cover of Heroes. Shows. My favorite cover of Heroes is a uh, regular show, and I'm not going to tell anybody the context for it. Just that it gets covered at some point during that show. It's fucking phenomenal. I'm gonna have to, I don't think I know this song. I'm going to have to listen to it after we're done recording. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, are you guys definitely heard it before? Any? Are you guys ready for me to move on to questions? Because we got about 20 minutes before we got to wrap this up. 
I am ready. I think so. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to read some of these fast because I don't want to miss. So, so I mean, some will definitely comment on, but I'm, okay. First, this is from the Twin Cities Geek Group. They, I asked them for some questions. They got me some from Irie Bynes. I was only recently made aware that the movie Mirror Mass has a somewhat interesting tie to Labyrinth and the Dark Crystal. I have no idea what that is. I, I don't know. Oh. I think I Googled Mirror it. Mirror yeah, Mass. Mirror Mass. Okay. Pronounce oh, your R's. Arr. Oh, um, <laughs> it's um, that the uh, Neil Gaiman movie? I don't know. We have Google in front of us, by the way. Oh, we do. Oh, you Google, I'll read. All right, next question okay. from Jen or comment from Jenny Wine. Uh, Labyrinth gave me nightmares throughout oh. my childhood, and even as an adult, I will sometimes get one. Oh, I can dear. understand after after everything. I can understand. I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> she put the smiley, laughing face, but. I don't know how to, you know, make an emoticon well, on She's a on, monster. On uh, <laughs> uh, Mirror Mask was a movie written by Neil Gaiman, produced by the Jim Henson Company. Uh, so it has that connection. Oh, and the main character's name is Helena, which is the <laughs> connection to this episode of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is an, this one's from Rebecca. Like she, said, I, she said, I saw the labyrinth when I was like five or six for the first time that gave me strange feelings. I had a crush on both Jareth and Sarah before I even know what a crush was. As the world falls mm. down, the song in general has helped me fall asleep at times when I'm really stressed or my anxi- anxiety slash depression is at its worst. I can put that song on a repeat, close my eyes, and drift away back to that world. David Bowie in general, I always crushed on, and I was heartbroken when he passed away. His voice will always be hauntingly beautiful. It's really good. I really wanted to read that. Oh, That's nice. Yeah, It's, and it's this worrying, one's fr- because uh, this one is still like, I'd like, every, I... I think it's normal to have a crush on David Bowie. Um, I have to believe that personally, but <laughs> well, if you're a kid, like nothing. it's disturbing. Like it's disturbing to have a crush on David Bowie because of this movie. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, before you really understand it, I can. I mean, I, yeah. she was I young. No, it makes she sense. Didn't understand. I didn't yeah. even know this movie was about this until we started this podcast episode. <laughs> so let's. <laughs> no, I mean, like, you did it a little, little sense, bit, but then, like, not. <laughs> Not to the not to <laughs> how far we went, or there would have been a warning at the beginning of this episode. I thought I you were not... going to do that. You said I say you a were lot going of things, to baby. That. I told I said... you, I did tell you, Mike. I told you that this was going to be like a three-hour episode. I let you know yeah, up front. I knew that. I mean, I, it's been a week from hell. For, well, we're not really hell, but I've been so fucking busy in real life that I'm just like, uh, oh, my brain's man. not working as well. Look, All right, from a friend of mine, we'll see the time. They'll know. They'll know. <laughs> Amanda Mitchell. Uh, she said, both my husband and I grew up loving Labyrinth. In fact, we watched the making of that, and that's when he decided he wanted to go to art school for special effects, makeup, and graphic design. Since we both loved this movie so much, we chose As the World Falls Down as our first dance at our wedding. Oh, that's so oh, cute. Cool. So, oh, this is Amanda? <laughs> yeah, Amanda oh, Mitchell. I, oh, I know this. For, she's super fun. <laughs> <laughs> she's got a badass attitude, which amuses me that, she that's kind of why be, she's super fun. Well, she works at a job where they don't give it. Well, she works at a place they don't give a shit sometimes what people say, and sometimes people will be rude back. Will be rude to her, and she'll give them right back. And that job doesn't care. Oh, so that's I'll leave out that name of that job. Dream. That is that is the dream. If it wasn't for the fact that I just mentioned her name, I would completely rat out the place that I'm thinking of. But I mentioned her name, so I'm not going to. Be Otherwise, careful. I keep my mouth shut. All right. Only 100 people listen just, to this, 200 just, someday. So. Give out her name, her address, <laughs> just completely dox her on the fucking podcast. <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> Might edit out some of this shit. All right, from Jerry, Ber- 
Jerry, depending on the geek involved, if someone starts <laughs> the lyrics, the magic dance will be added too. You remind me of the babe. The babe with the power. Mm. And another one from Travis Hildebrand. Clearly, that is Princess Vespa. She does kind of look like her. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. She's got the it's the 80s flowy shirts. Uh, from Candy Ulrich. I seriously used to dress up and role play like Sarah. I was 14. This movie completely got me and my geekiness. Of course, I think having been a longtime fan of Muppets helped my grandkids, grandnieces, nephews don't like them. Well, like, okay, I'm not sure. Oh, they don't like Muppets. I was like, wait a second. Lastly, still mourning Bowie in the 80s. The 80s, I'm not mourning, but Bowie's sad. Um, I'm still mourning Bowie. Ali, Ali G, because I cannot pronounce his last name. I grew up obsessed with this movie. I had a poodle Ali G in the that house? I, that, is, that is where inside out, so the, the tool ruffles were on the outside so I could look like Sarah. It is still a huge goal of mine to recreate that gown. I had nothing. I don't know what that means. Oh, I feel like you could. What? No, I, I feel like I, that's I'm totally confused doable. too. It could have just been that I read it wrong. No, all right. What are you confused about? What a gown is, maybe? Yeah, not... She wants to recreate the outfit. Yeah, she uh, had a poodle skirt that she would wear inside skirt. out. Huh? I don't know what a poodle skirt is. Okay, oh. go on. Never mind. I'm not explaining this to you. <laughs> okay, I have Google. From Mike, Tiffany Elberton, he said, I'm not alone. You're right, Tiffany, you're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, have you seen the movie? Have you seen the movie Grease? Yeah, yeah, that's a poodle skirt. Okay, that's a. They all wear poodle skirts. And from Greg Larson, greasers, pants, magic pants. Ignoring us. Yeah, I am, because I'm running out of time. <laughs> I got a lot of comments. <laughs> so. Got a lot of comments. Yeah, and this is from an, another group. Somebody posted a GIF. He said, I watched this a few years ago on broadcast TV, and I think they blurred out Bowie's crouch. Crouch, 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 damn it. And he posted the, a gift that says, let me show you my magic balls as he's, tw as he's twirling the crystal balls. <laughs> oh, yeah, his crystal balls. Uh, and from Brian Langer, I do not enjoy it whatsoever. I can understand. <laughs> I enjoy it, but I understand. It. <laughs> uh, from Todd Harrison, also that crib that Toby's in is a death trap. He's Safer with Bowie. I mean, look at all those blankets. <laughs> He's not wrong. It is. It is unsafe. Bowie tends to shake the baby though, so I don't know. Like, <laughs> he throws the baby up in the air, at, but it's not the baby. At least, I mean, when he's dancing around with that baby, he is doing a lot of like spins and some very aggressive jerks. Uh, so, uh, from Lauren <laughs> Mueller, said absolutely one of my favorite movies. Grew up watching it, and will rewatch it a couple times a year. Even got a piece from my daughter done with a Bowie quote from the movie done last year. A tattoo. There's a picture of. <laughs> Looks cool, by the That's way, cool. if you're listening. If I you're think we did, like, ruin movie. this movie for anybody. I think we did. I mean, we really got dark in the A lot. We, we probably did. did. We did. I'm sorry. Andrew Shaw. First movie I ever saw in the cinema. All I remember from the, from then is the Owl opening credits, but it's been one of my favorite movies since then. That's cool. Okay. This was the first movie he saw at a movie theater? Jesus. First movie I saw with TMT, but That's... I remember nothing. Other than my mother telling me <laughs> I saw it when I got bored. Yeah. Sound I feel like, like seeing you. Labyrinth for the first time. That's like that sets an expectation. That's very strange. This would be a good movie to see on the big screen. It All right. Um, first movie I saw in a movie theater questions. was Hercules. Uh, from Kelly. <laughs> oh Kelly wow, Lynch he's said, a baby. <laughs> I remember first watching it when I was six or seven. My sister, who was eight, had a huge crush on Bowie in the movie, which my mother found disturbing, mainly due to his huge bulge. My sister would talk about how she wanted the Goblin King to take her away and romance her like the girl in the movie, which terrified my mom even more. <laughs> yeah, I understand now, especially after this talk. <laughs> oh, man. 
Okay, I'm just going to read a couple more. I got about three minutes at not at, and then we're going to go to Shelfer Box no matter what. Uh, from John Henning okay. said, is it really a little known cult classic? I grew up watching this, so I always figured most people knew about it. Yeah, it's a cult classic. No, <laughs> from, he's, yeah, talking definitely, about, absolutely. he's talking about little known. I think it's a little known cult classic. You, he said, I no. want questions cult for classic. this little known cult classic. Maybe I was being sarcastic. I can't remember. I, do I don't know. It's uh, I told them to ask five people anymore. at his work and see if they know what it is. I don't think it's that widely known as he thinks it is. Um, right. I would say it's more widely known now that Dark Crystal is coming back and people are getting more interested in Jim Henson. Again. Yes, now yeah. it is, but in the past years it wasn't. All right, this one from Zach Locks. This movie reminds me of the Babe. Uh, from Sarah Collins I really want to live in this dream bubble as a child and maybe now also Hago freaks me out I know he's a good guy but he looks like an old guy and like Sarah too much you know, <laughs> I'm kind of a good guy got her wires crossed from Angel Johnson friend of the show uh, yeah. look every woman of my generation knows this movie you can literally start you remind me of the babe around any of us and we'll finish it <laughs> <laughs> that's probably true <laughs> I love you, Angel. <laughs> and the last one I'm going to read, because I'm running out of time, from Brittany Colson. I love, love, love this movie. At 16, my youngest sister was about a year old, and I was left to watch her one evening, which she spent the entirety screaming until my mom and stepdad got home, and I literally lifted this kid up and quoted the movie, hoping to fae folk they would truly take her away. <laughs> Sad. Okay, that was funny. I understand. As, as, as a parent, I, when I went through some times, I can understand. <laughs> rough someday and i think it's time to move on to shelfer box and tiffany do you want to go first i was like okay well, <laughs> I was real silent shelf. there. it's on the shelf with my funko pops and my action figures and anything else i have <laughs> shirt the deep the blu-ray trying to think yep. what i bought you this week. blanket you yeah. haven't bought me a necklace yet get on that that's coming <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, how about you, Helena? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a good noise. Uh, I, I mean, it shelf, but also I would probably put some other things in front of it. Um, <laughs> it's I don't know. It's a classic. I I think it's widely known. Um, I might so have I, been a little snarky when I made that comment. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's if you look at the artistry and what they did with the CGI and um, really the amazing puppetry they did, like I, it's awesome to look as an art piece. But um, it, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know how to, <laughs> how to explain my feelings for it. They're not great. I don't know. Okay. Shelf ish. You can you can do either or whatever fits you. Yeah, back we shelf. have often said, yeah, like, She's like barely on the shelf. <sighs> I'll go next. I'm putting in the box. <laughs> One, I'm just not a big fan of this movie. I mean, I like it. It's a good movie, and I like what they did. I now that I now that we have like completely broke it down and talk about all the toxic things, I'm just like, oh. <laughs> but even before that, I already decided to go in the box because I just it doesn't really grab me. 
I know my wife is threatening to give me the evil eye in the other room right now, but it just didn't. Mm. It, it's not one of my favorite movies because one, I didn't grow up with it. I always had that random scene of walking through the through the auditorium, like, "What's that movie?" And somebody talking about George Lucas, going, "Oh, the Star Wars guy," and that, and then I didn't find out what this movie was till many years later, and it's just never doesn't have any special place for me. So it's going to go in the box. How about you, Stu? Stu? Hello. Ah, uh, sorry, I was muted. How okay. long do I have? Thirty <laughs> seconds. Uh, oh, you got it. <laughs> So um, I am going to shelve this movie. Uh, I actually really, really like this movie. I, I appreciate it. Like Helena said, from the artistic standpoint, just the pup, like just the puppetry of it is like insane how much they were able to accomplish. Um, like Jim Henson definitely has a very specific style and it's not for everybody. Like when you look at this or Dark Crystal, some people love it. Some people just fucking hate it and can't be like, they just can't look at it. It's just, too disturbing. It's like clowns. It's like the clown situation. Some people love it. Some people hate it. <laughs> I uh, I love this movie though. I mean, like it's it's dark and it tells a very good story, and I don't think it hits you over the head with it. It in some ways might be too subtle, I guess, because I think a lot of people kind of miss that. But I think it's a important movie for the story and just like the like exploring the power dynamics between the two characters really well so it's definitely going on my my shelf and i apologize to anybody who is like has this movie ruined for them because of how we talked about it yeah, was, we should have put a warning in the beginning okay we're really I, bad now i might record a, i'm gonna record it now before actually i'll do that after mm. we almost finish i can put it in there there you go i think that's a good I, idea i love the power editing you're like warning <laughs> shit gets real <laughs> <laughs> Shit gets real. I like oh, that. Do yeah, that. It's... Do exactly like that. Oh god, this is standing, by the way. Okay. okay. And I think okay. that just about wraps. Any last minute things you guys want to say about? I think we already said all that, didn't we? What am I saying? All right. First, I want to give a quick shout out to our awesome <laughs> intro and outro, courtesy of Bobby, aka Mike Stoney. It is a song, "Cool Kid Squad" from his EP, "Bite the Bullet." Hey, that was good. It's good. <laughs> Yeah. I didn't stumble. I didn't fall over. Didn't, I didn't. I was just going to say, you didn't stumble. You didn't stutter. You didn't slurry. That was pretty good. I actually memorized I, what I actually I remember what I want to say. You know, maybe one day I'd actually write is out it, the outro for the show. Nah. Uh, is it Bulby, no aka Mike Stoney, or Mike Stoney, aka Bulby, though? Because you said Bulby, aka Mike Stoney, and I thought it was what? the other way around. <laughs> Not to take don't, away your victory. Don't, don't ruin his too. moment. Damn it. I mean, it was still really good, but... <laughs> I got a bad, bad feeling about this, too. Got a bad feeling. <laughs> no, I've been, uh, okay. Cut from the podcast. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> My <laughs> off-topic thing right before... I want to say, after watching way too much Star Wars Clone Wars, they say that a lot in that show. All the fucking feeling. time. I got a bad feeling about this. All the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's become like a... Uh, just like that go-to phrase in Star Wars, even though right. I start saying it, too. Not to be a uh, Star Wars purist here, but even though when Han Solo says it the first time, uh, there's actually nothing bad that's about to happen, and he's just got this like weird sense to show that he's got this like innate sense of how the world works, and then they say it in every fucking Star Wars movie, and it's like, I've got a bad feeling about this. And it's like, yeah, no shit, the bad guy's right there. Like, this isn't the same kind of moment. <laughs> All right, and before I we still wrap really this like up, hearing the line because it's like, yeah, yeah, I remember that, but still. I got one random thing I want to say about this movie. There was a guy who came into my store one day, and he had a Labyrinth shirt on, and I looked at to him, and I said, 
I said, who has the power? He's like, the power of the babe. Or something like that. We said something stupid to each other, and it worked. Because I, I, I can't remember. I didn't want to say babe, but I said something. And he, just, and, mm. and he was telling me one time his, he was at a, uh, at a coffee shop, and, someone, and he had said, um, who has the power? And somebody replied, the power of the babe, in like the back of the, in the top of the coffee shop or something. And it just cracked me up. I was playing, um, <laughs> I was playing like, I'm playing like Uno or something with some friends, and somehow, somehow that quote came up. And we went through the whole thing, and it was just like, what power? The power of voodoo. And we just looked at each other and went, dance, magic, dance, magic, dance. Climbing, <laughs> <laughs> uh, snails, and puppy dog tails, thunder and lightning. And the baby says. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we will see you guys all next week. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Don't watch Labyrinth with your kids, or do, who knows? It's PG-13, or PG technically. <laughs> Uh, okay. Somehow. <laughs> <laughs> and-